shotglassdigital.com. This episode of Geek Out Loud, emails, snippets, past the corn and Star Wars. What more do you need? We've got some great people stopping by to geek out about the wars on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. again everyone and welcome to geek out loud my name is steve glosson so glad to be along with you on this your safe place to geek out on the internet i dare say the most positive most happy place online there's no other way around it i really think that we are we have a good time we got a great uh great group of listeners in fact Geek Out Loud has the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe, and it's uh, it's evidenced by everyone who's joining us live right now at Mixler.com slash Goliverse, where you can hear all of our Goliverse shows recorded live. We've got a great, uh, great time, people having a great time in the chat, and uh, so come on over. Join on in with us. Have a good time talking some stuff when, and, and try to derail me and other people who are, who are in the chat they, they try to derail. That becomes a game uh, to see who can derail me when you're here at Mixer.com slash Goliverse. Also, uh, man, granted, if you're listening to this after the fact, and I thank you so much for downloading. So good to have you along with us, man. And uh, greatly, greatly appreciate that. By the time you've heard this, you would have also, if you listen to Rebel Force Radio, heard me guest on uh, Rebel Force Radio. Actually, what you would have heard me do is be incredibly silent through two great interviews uh, with Steven Stanton and Randy Martinez. Uh, I tried to get some one-liners in there, get some zingers in there, but uh, but by and large, I, I just kind of sat back and laid back and let Jimmy Mack uh, do the driving. But always a great time to be on Rebel Force Radio. And if you're joining us because you heard me on Rebel Force Radio, what are you thinking? I'm just saying, Welcome. So glad to have you along with us. Uh, and want to thank everyone who uses the Amazon links, Geek Out Podcast and geekoutonline.com. Whenever you go to, to Geek Out Podcast or geekoutonline.com and use the Amazon links that are there to click through and go ahead and do your Amazon shopping, it helps the shows in a big, bad way. It's really helped out with hosting fees and that sort of thing. And uh, we just ask you to continue to do that. No extra fees to you, no hidden costs. You know that. You know how it works. You're internet savvy. You're listening to a podcast. But when you do that, it really helps us out a lot. We appreciate you doing that. And also, for those of you who who uh, support us directly through patreon.com slash geekoutloud, just a big thank you so much 
to you because it means the world to me. As I've said it uh, countless times, and I mean it, you've saved my life over the past year uh, by being a contributor to Patreon.com at Patreon.com slash GeekOutLoud. Our featured supporter this week, new on the Goldiverse Wall of Fame, Justin Bernstein, or Bernstein, Bernstein, Justin. At one with nature, Bernstein can communicate with animals from anywhere and any time. Open parentheses, if he finds himself in the past with dinosaurs, close parentheses. Not only that, but he takes on the abilities of the animals as well. What a what an ally to have in the animal apocalypse. That is your featured supporter this week, Justin Bernstein, and we appreciate him and appreciate everyone who supports us at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We've got a jam-packed show for you guys. We've got Eris Schoenweiss stopping by to pass the corn. And then later on, we've got a couple of uh, good friends of the show going to join Erish and I, and we're just going to talk some wars. After last week's discussion with Steve Schoenborn about, uh, from the Lost Hours podcast about uh, Lord of the Rings, man, we had just such a good time. And it just dawned on me mid-conversation Though I've done Geek Out Loud about Star Wars, and though I'm always talking Star Wars and mentioning Star Wars, I've never really just had people on in just a free-form, fun discussion about the wars and what we love and, and, and getting into some of the philosophy and the mythology. And however, I have no idea how this conversation is going to go, but it's going to be a good time as we bring Steve Schoenborn back from last week to stretch his Star Wars muscles, and we bring first-time uh, Geek Out Loud guests. Now, he's been a huge part of the Big Honkin' Show for a long time now. Uh, we bring Daniel and Indy on later on in the show. So it's going to be a good time. Strap in, hang on, it's going to be fun. But of course, before we do all of that, let's jump into some email. <laughs> We've got just a ton of um, emails, and I've said this for a few weeks now, but because the shows have been packed, we haven't been able to get to them all. And my goal is to, uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have just a clean out the mailbag episode. So don't stop sending in emails. Just because you haven't heard yours read doesn't mean that I've not read it. It just means that we haven't gotten there yet in the order of, uh, of emails as, as they've come in. I tend to try to read practically every email. Uh, some some people send and say, hey, this isn't for the show. So I don't really put it out there. But, uh, but most of the time, if you haven't heard back from me directly, a lot of times it's because you've either said this isn't for the show or because I'm getting ready to read it on the show. So keep sending them in at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Our first email comes from Dwayne, parentheses Smith. From California. <laughs> he says, Howdy, Steve. Been a while since the last time I wrote. Just wanted to say I love the podcast. I really do. One point to bring to your attention is you praise your listening audience as being the best. Okay, if we are so great, why would we be listening to a mediocre podcast? Because you're so great. You're so friendly. You're so kind. And I greatly appreciate that. Uh, and he goes on then to put me over, as they say, 
in the uh, in the email, and I and I greatly appreciate that, and uh, and just a just great encouragement for Dwayne. I just wanted to say uh, to Dwayne a public thank you for the kind words that he sent in his email, and uh, there's no sense in me reading it. There's no sense in me putting myself over like that. Um, he he ends with please do keep the podcast coming, and let's both be great. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I feel like we're approaching good. I really do. I feel like we're we're at the I feel like we're at the cusp, the cusp of good. We've been mediocre, now we're at the cusp of good, and hopefully by the end of the year we'll be solidly good so that maybe 2016 will be the year of greatness for Geek Out Loud. Matthew Marks chimes in. He says, hey guys, not sure whether this email should go to Rebel Yell or Geek Out Loud since I don't know when the next Rebel Yell will be. See, this was written since before we recorded the last Rebel Yell. Now that we have Ahsoka revealed... And since we have Canaan and Ezra too, I'm wondering how many of them will be left after A New Hope. This comes from reading Heir to the Jedi. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Going to get into some spoilers for those of you who haven't read Heir to the Jedi. Uh, which has Luke desperate to find a way to continue his training now that Ben is dead and he hasn't found Yoda yet, of course. It would be semi-plausible that he just doesn't bump into Kanan or Ezra, but Ahsoka seems to be pretty high up in the Alliance ranks. Granted, Ahsoka, Kanan, and Ezra wouldn't be fully trained Jedi in the traditional sense, but they are definitely better trained than Luke is between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Surely they could help Luke a little. The only way I can see around this is perhaps Obi-Wan and Yoda have other plans for Luke. And one of them tells Ahsoka that Luke should not be trained by anyone but Yoda. I mean, given Luke's family history, that might be a good precaution. And if they believe that Luke is the one who will be able to or destined to defeat Vader, they may want to be careful about how he's trained. So I'm thinking that all three of the Jedi and Rebels don't necessarily have to die before the Battle of Yavin. I mean, since Ahsoka was trained by the future Darth Vader, she probably wouldn't want to take the risk of screwing up Luke's training, which leaves Kanan and Ezra. If Kanan is killed early in Ezra's training, he would also not be an ideal to tra uh, choice to train Luke. They're also the same age, so that might be weird. On the flip side, if Ezra is killed or turned to the dark side, then Kanan might blame himself and not want to train Luke either. I'll be interested to hear your take on all this. Feel free to poke holes in any of my theories or points. I'm kind of just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks here. And that's from Matthew Marks. Matthew, I got to tell you, uh, it, it, you bring up some good points. And, and that's one of the, the sticking points of Rebels in, in, in shows like it is where are all these new characters going to be? It is a big galaxy. It's a big alliance. I think that one thing we do get from Kanan and Ezra definitively and, and probably is going to be from Ahsoka and the times we get to hang out with her during Rebels is let's keep this Jedi thing you know under wraps as much as possible. Let's not let word get out there. You know when when we saw them at the end of uh, of the season when they actually did meet up with Ahsoka and the rest of the the Rebel cells that had come to save them, there was only a couple of ships. Bell Organa was there and he kind of knows them already anyway. So you get the idea that it's the Fulcrum inner circle happening here. So they're probably going to keep it really under wraps as to, hey, there are these Jedi floating around. I also think, you know, a lot of people have started saying, well, Yoda says when going to buy the last of the Jedi, you'll be, and they, and they talk like, well, maybe Yoda's just kind of lying, maybe he doesn't know. But we see Yoda communicate with both Ezra and Kanan in the episode Path of the Jedi, which leads me to believe that somewhere along the way, those two either just renounce Jediism or their fate is sealed. And and that's not what I'm hoping for. I'm just saying that it it, it to me it, I'm still reconciling in my own mind, you know, just how how you how Luke is such a big deal. Now the thing that makes Luke special is his connection to Anakin. 
The thing that makes Luke special is there's no other Jedi who could have gone to Darth Vader, who could have walked into the Emperor's throne room and come out alive having pulled Anakin back from the darkness. There's no one else that could have done that. Um, not even I don't even think Ahsoka could have. I think that what Vader would look at as Ahsoka, and this is just me talking off the top of my head right now, I think what Vader would see in Ahsoka is someone who forsook him. I think that in his twisted mind and the way that he thinks that, that, that Ahsoka leaving, though he understood it in the moment, now with his mind twisted by the dark side, he would see it as someone who, who had forsaken him, so he has nothing to do with her and, and she's dead to him anyway. So I don't know that anyone but his son could have gone in there, and that's what makes Luke special. But at the same time, when gone am I the last of the Jedi you will be, Yoda's not unaware. He's not unaware of what's going on out there. So something is going down, and Yoda also tells Luke that once he faces Vader, he's a full-fledged Jedi. That's his training. That's his test. And uh, so it is, it's It's an interesting concept, and, and season two is going to be, I think, very interesting. I'm I'm excited to hear when when people come back from celebration in a few weeks. Excited to hear what what was in that uh, what was in that season two finale. What's in there because uh, you know they're not going to get everyone to sign NDAs, and uh, there's no telling when it's going to actually air. So uh, still waiting to hear that news. We'll probably get a lot of that news coming out of Star Wars Celebration. So so really interesting stuff, and and really looking forward. To, uh, to to what we've got coming down the pipe with uh, Star Wars Rebels. And I definitely want to squeeze this one in. Uh, Anthony chimes in. He says, hi, my name is AJ. So sorry, Anthony. I didn't mean to AJ. Sorry, AJ. I've been a long time, he says fan, but we all know the show doesn't have fans. We have listeners. He says, I've been a long time listener. First time ever writing to a podcast. I listen to you while I deliver newspapers early in the morning. Last week's episode made me stop listening and put in the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack after uh, after the dating email. I just have to say, I love the show, and keep up the good job. And that's from AJ. AJ, thank you. I don't mind being pushed to the side for the Awesome Mix Volume 1. In fact, I welcome it. You can push me to the side for Awesome Mix Volume 1 anytime, anytime uh, that you want to. So... Uh, thanks AJ for emailing in. Would love to hear from you some more, man. Thanks for the email. First time, first time emailer. Woohoo! We appreciate you emailing in. We've got a ton more to get to, uh, but we've got such a packed show. As I say, we've got to move forward. And there's a couple of pieces of news that have just, uh, recently broken that have recently popped out that I wanted to talk about, uh, before we got into the heart of the show. So of course that means we got a couple of snippets. All right, our first snippet is we've gotten our first look at Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor from Superman v. Batman, or I'm sorry, Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Um, <clears throat> now, Zack Snyder has said multiple times he's not like any of the Lexes you've seen, that's for sure. This comes from EW, uh, Entertainment Weekly, EW.com, and uh, there's a picture there. The, the, the contrast is turned way up. It's black and white. Um, so, oh, my Lanta, let's not start ads up. Good night. Um, and, and so here we go. Uh, let me just read a couple of quotes from this thing here. Um, we know there's going to be a cameo by Aquaman. Aquaman! 
we know, and now we've got Jesse Eisenberg. This is what Snyder says. He says, other than him being a captain of industry and one person to the world and another person to himself and bald, of course, that's the only thing that connects him to the other Lexes that we've seen. So, all right. Um, uh, our Lex is disarming and he's not fake. He says what he believes and he says what's on his mind. If you can unravel the string and decipher what he means, it's all there. Um, so this is a Lex who's obviously playing a mental game. He's he's on a higher mental plane than the people around him, and he and he puts it right out there for you. He's he's arrogant enough, I guess. It, it, what I'm what I'm reading from this is that he's arrogant enough to just tell you exactly what it, what's on his mind, even if it criminalizes him. But he says it in such a way that you're like, wait a minute, and and you don't really get what's coming at you. So. Uh, I mean, he looks like Lex Luthor. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, he's Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Nothing there. Like I said, the, the contrast has turned way high up on this thing. Uh, it's a black and white picture and a lot of glare coming off his bald head. Well, not really his bald head, but his face. Um, his dome sticks up a little high. He's obviously going to be under a bald cap and didn't quite shave. That's fine. That's fine. You know, um, I don't want to break it down too much, but, you know, what can you say? It's a bald guy. It looks like Lex Luthor. What's really going to be interesting is to see how he is as, as Lex Luthor. You know, when you get into a lot of these pictures and stuff that we've seen, <clears throat> whether it's Batman, whether it's the new Superman outfit, the Wonder Woman, even Aquaman, you know, it, it's not so much as how they look for the most part. It's how they're going to come across on screen. What what are, What is the take on these characters going to be? Are we going to continue that you know, what we got in Man of Steel from Superman, because when we left him, he would, he'd kind of just found his place. And is he going to be confident in that place? Is he going to still be reeling with his alienation, the fact that he's the last of his kind? Is he going to be dealing with the destruction that was caused in Metropolis? Uh, obviously, Lex is going to be dealing with that. Obviously, Batman is going to be dealing with that. Uh, Aquaman's apparently going to be dealing with that too. So, you know, you just have to wonder, are we going to get a, a, because the thing is to me is, is for Superman to be fully Superman. Um, he's got to, he's got to be confident in everything that he does. He, he can't, Superman's not a self doubter. And, and it's those times when he does doubt himself that, you get into some you can get into some very interesting territory with the character but you have to set up the fact that he's learned to be confident <clears throat> whoa hello puberty steve he's learned to be confident in who he is and what his mission is so that when those moments of self-doubt creep in they mean more they're not just something we've tried to put a new spin on the character with so it's going to be interesting i mean look my butt's going to be in the seat for this movie um it, it's something like we've never had in the history of, of cinema. You know, quite frankly, Warner Brothers had the one thing to trump what Marvel had done with the Avengers, and they went ahead and pulled that and, and, and took that shot with Batman versus Superman. Um, I hope Batman and Superman are friends by the end of this. I don't like the strained, the overly strained relationship between Batman and Superman that came up uh, in a post-crisis DC era um it, it made for some good things here and there but i just I, you know they don't have to be chums they don't have chum they don't have to be chums you know like they were back in the silver age but i don't like the overly strained relationship they have i like a i like a deep trust it's okay for them to disagree on tactics but at the end of the day they they realize they're fighting for the same thing and maybe every now and again they have dinner 
you know, maybe maybe Clark stops by the Batcave to have a sandwich with Batman, or, or Bruce rolls into Metropolis to um, to have dinner with Clark at some point. You know, and and it's just that's the kind of that's the kind of relationship between those two I like to see. Justice League Unlimited and Justice League kind of nailed it. You know, where you got the idea that Batman thought he was better than Superman. He thinks he's better than everybody, but at the same time. The, they're you know they're friends, they're they're never looking over their shoulder at one another. So anyhow, I don't know how I got off on that. The other snippet snippet, and this is kind of a big deal to me. I, I, I several episodes ago, I came on and extolled the virtues of Ernest Cline's Ready Player One, an amazing book. If you've not read it, read it. If you do audiobooks, get it. Will Wheaton does it and does it a fantastic job reading the book because Will Wheaton is someone who is uh, versed in all the geek culture that is just overflowing in Ready Player One. And what I love about it, it's 80s geek culture that is just overflowing in that book. And it is headed to the big screen. And Steven Spielberg is set to direct it. Um, Now, this is according to The Wrap. Um, Steven Spielberg set to direct the adaptation of Ernest Cline's best-selling novel, Ready Player One, an individual with knowledge on the product told the rap. So I don't know how confirmed this is. uh, We're seeing, uh, they talk a little bit about here, uh, what it is. Um, okay, here we go. Greg Silverman. Uh, we're thrilled to welcome Steven back to Warner Brothers, said Greg Silverman, president uh, creative developments and worldwide productions. We had a historic series of collaborations in the 80s and 90s, and we've wanted to bring him back for years. As for Ready Player One, we've always felt that Steven, Steven was the dream director for this project. I can't disagree. I can't disagree. I think Spielberg on Ready Player One will work. It's, 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 got, the, uh, it's got the potential to just be something really special if they're able to to pull it off. And, and there's a lot of proprietary things that they're going to have to set to the side that are in the book. But by and large, Warner brothers owns so much, you know, that there's going to be so much that doesn't get excluded. And the things that do, I think will just be passing comments here and there. So, and you never know what kind of deals they'll strike, you know, uh, just to, just to get a few of the, the properties that are mentioned in ready player one in to the movie. So, I, I feel like it's a it's a great film and and you know there's this we talked about it with the Lord of the Rings thing in the Hobbit discussion two weeks ago that there's a tendency and I think Erish and I have even talked about it on the show in a, in a past the corn segment or two there's a tendency in these uh, in in these book adaptations to to stretch them out, to kind of blow them up and, and make them not as suitable for the screen sometimes, you know, as a money grab. I feel like Ready Player One really lends itself to being a three-book, uh, three-movie uh, franchise. And, you know, it, it's set up into three distinct parts. Three, and, and it's very, and it very much follows the act one, ends on a really high note. You know, our hero is is in a good place. Act two, uh, kind of takes it dark, and Act Three is just all heck breaks loose for our heroes. And man, I'm t- I cannot. I'm looking forward to this, regardless of how they do it. And uh, and I'm just excited to hear that Steven Spielberg is is attached. It's gonna be. It's gonna be really cool. It's gonna be good stuff. So, 
All right. Um, having said all that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to bring him on here. And uh, as, as we get into this, it's time uh, for a segment that we call Pass the Corn. Pass the Corn. the core I want to say before we bring Eric on uh Mike Mike Atkins uh sent in we we uh the music that you hear that we we've put Jimmy in Georgia we put his voice around it and um and, and Mike sent in that music he put it together he says Mike Atkins songwriter producer blah 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 and I thought I'd take up the challenge of the Pass the Corn music bumper. He said, I purposefully made this sound like some really old, obscure 70s cop movie score. I played everything myself and produced all the effects custom for the project. I must admit, I spilled over a bit over the 8 to 10 second mark you'd originally asked for, so I apologize for that. So, Mike, thank you so much and uh, appreciate that. Hope you don't mind us sticking Jimmy on, on both ends of it with the name of the segment, Pass the Corn. And uh, even though I've never said that in a movie theater, I've only said that on the show. Well, we'll get into some of this stuff here uh, because there's a few things that Erish and I, we our our, uh, our proclivities don't quite match up on. Uh, 25 years ago, it has to be more than 25. It has to be 30 years ago. I don't know why I put 25 because 25 would have been 1990. This was 1985. So 30 years ago, um, the first Care Bears movie was released. 30 years ago this month. Now, these are movies that were the anniversary movies from March. Um, so 30 years ago, Care Bears was released, the Care Bear movie. And um, and what's funny is Eris said, I have to restart, need a couple of minutes. Sorry, talk Care Bears. So... I just felt like it needed to be mentioned. Uh, Teresa's not around to mention it, so I figured I needed to give the Care Bear movie a shout-out. It was big in my house because I had a sibling who was deep into the Care Bears. So, And now he's here. We welcome to... I'm here. Pass the- <laughs> it, 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 was, it was all a devious plot, so I wouldn't have to talk about the Care Bears movie. Well, you, you, you're <laughs> safe, sir. You're safe. So... Sorry about that. That's fine, man. Listen, uh, technology, technology. What you gonna do? Yeah, just I don't know. Every, every once in a while, the computer has a mind of its own and decides it's not gonna cooperate. I hate so. it when I'm gearing up to do something and I get on Skype and all of a sudden, and it usually only happens like in those rare instances where I have someone on to interview or something, and it's like Skype is updating now to improve your experience. Yeah, it's I, I don't even know. <laughs> But I'm on, and that intro music is awesome. Yes, Mike Love Atkins, it. yeah. So, yeah, he, he said he intentionally made it like a 70s, like an obscure 70s cop movie. So I, I could I, That would be a movie I would watch, you and I, as a couple 70s that's uh, right. cops. That's right. Hitting, hitting up the donut shops and... Uh, <laughs> with, the, with the handlebar mustaches. Oh, yeah. Got a, one, one of the cops happens to be a rogue cop, if you will. 
Okay. And the other cop is a by the book, you know, straight guy, straight straight cop man, you know. And and together they make the greatest cop team of all time, taking down organized crime in like Wichita. Just so long as I don't have to chase anybody. Oh yeah, yeah. Basically, any criminal. Oh, you're talking about run? They're getting away unless they're unless I shoot them in the leg or something. You're talking about you and I as cops. Yes. Oh yeah, no, we're just hanging out the donut shop. (laughs) That's no, I I'm not chasing a soul. No. Enough of this running. That's. And there's our bleep for this episode. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Am I, uh, all right. <laughs> I'll bleep it out. It's fun. I'll, it's the 70s, baby. We'll fix it in post. Um, one of the things this segment's all about is just kind of celebrating movies, especially ones that are having anniversaries uh, or big anniversaries. And, um, and so we both kind of perused and brought a few things together to talk. 35 years ago this month, March 21st, 1980, Mad Max... Yep. was released. Now, I've seen Mad Max once. I've seen it a few times. It, it, it's not my favorite. I mean, definitely Road Warrior is the, uh, is the Max movie for me. Is, Road Warrior is the follow-up. Yes, was okay. the second one. Um, and then Beyond Thunderdome. And then Beyond... We don't need another mm. hero. Sing it. Sing it, Tina. Sing it. Um... But I mean, Mad Max, thirty-five years, and you know, obviously the importance being, uh, you know, Fury Road coming out in May. I was wrong last time around. I suggested it was April, but it's actually May mm-hmm. that it's coming out. So you know, it, I think it's kind of interesting that thirty-five years after the first one, you know, George Miller is is going back to it again, and the new one just looks absolutely bonkers. So, and it's it's not a it's not a remake. No. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, he's recast Max. Okay. Um, they went with uh, Tom Hardy mm-hmm. this time around. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure how it's going to work. I'm looking for some gasoline. Darth Vader breathing. Darth Vader breathing. <laughs> hey, I'm excited because Tom Hardy gets to act without a mask on his face yes. or his throat slit or anything that <laughs> takes away his gift at being a great actor. There you so. go. There you go. Well... Like I say, it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. I watched it yeah. once, and I, I just don't remember much, except it's this post-apocalyptic society where cars matter. It's almost like Road War. It's almost. I'm sorry. It's almost like Waterworld in the desert. Yeah. So. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but they, I mean, they weren't quite there yet. They right. Were still. This was like the down. The civilization started to fall apart. Right. In this one. The, right. The you know the highway patrol was still around, but they were breaking down. They're falling apart. Guys were quitting because they were just dying left and right. And uh, did okay. You know, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Is this uh, his family gets killed? Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Spoiler yeah, alert for a thirty-five-year-old movie. Everybody. Happens, so. Okay. All right. Not it's not bloody, but it's just the way it happens, and then your mind kind of fills in the blanks, right. and that's what makes it brutal. Right. Okay. So. Um, I've mentioned the Care Bears. I, I wanted to mention this one because it's one that I don't know that I ever saw. This is 25 years ago, or I'm sorry, 30 years ago, 1985, March of 1985. A movie called Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend. Um, the only thing I remember was just always wanting to see this movie because there was a dinosaur in it. Yeah. And, and it was like Jurassic Park before Jurassic Park. Apparently they find a dinosaur. And and all heck breaks loose for these people. So, I love the way you say that. Yeah. Well, 
Dinosaur. Dinosaur. That's uh, that's what Mr. DNA says on on Jurassic Park. So I just it, I just remember it being kind of a big deal. I remember seeing posters all over the place and um and, and TV spots and everything in 1985 for this, and I never got to see it. So yeah, uh, long lost movie. And then the final one from from 30 years ago, 1985, and I watched it this weekend, Irish. The last so- the last dragon. I think it's, is it technically Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon? Yes, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Oh, what a film. What a film. Real, are you being sarcastic or are you being honest? I'm, I'm telling you that this movie, I, it, I don't hate watch things. Okay. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, I feel like I'm about to start hate watching this thing. And so I just stopped. I let myself just get into it. I, I said, let me slip into the mind of 1985 Steve, who would have been, you know, eight years old. Put, put the barge on in the put, background. Yes, yes. And watch this. It is, it's everything that Hulk Hogan's No Holds Barred wanted to be. Okay. I mean, it's almost the exact <laughs> same plot. It's, it's a media mogul trying to push his video star onto the hottest video. I mean, it's, it's MTV all the way. He's trying, to put, he's trying to put his music video star on the hottest music video show on television, and he's going to do it by force. And there's this kid who, who, uh, who, who is trained, and he's, he's almost a kung fu master, and he's just looking for the glow. Because when you become a master, you have a glow that comes out of you. Okay. And, and uh, dude, it, it features the worst movie theater in the history of movie theaters. They there's these people watching a Bruce Lee movie, and they're all yelling at the screen and and quoting along with it. And then all of a sudden, the bad guy comes in. His name is Shonuff, the Shogun Master of Harlem, <laughs> the Shogun of Harlem. <laughs> Shonuff. Yeah, and and uh, and and the and our and our hero will not fight him because you know he's all peaceful and everything. And so when they finally do fight, you find out that Shogun has achieved his glow. And uh, and and when the and then the two start glowing and going, sparks are flying. I mean, it's eighties. It's bad eighties effects. I mean, bad eighties effects. Right. But it's just it's one of those things. I sat watching. And I'm like, I have no shame that I'm watching this. I'm enjoying this for what it is, and I can't suggest enough that people to see it. If for no other reason, then I can't believe that this is where this hit song came from. And the thing about this song in the movie is... Do they fight to the song? No, they dance. It's on the video show. And it's, and it's DeBarge with their new hit. That's, uh, that's, that's, how the, that's how the song is incorporated into the film. That's how they the work film. the song into the movie. Yes. 
Yes. So it's DeBarge playing DeBarge. Mm-hmm. No, they just show the video. They show oh, okay. the music video. They just blatantly show the music video yes. in the movie. Yes. Oh, at, at this, at this, basically, it's like a TRL in 1985. Okay. And the hostess is our ends up being our damsel in distress. She's like the big star and everything. All right, so, I get it. Yeah. Definitely, I'm telling you, if you've got an hour and a half or so to kill after Star Wars Celebration, because I know you're busy headed into con season, it's definitely worth picking up and and watching, um, watching Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. All right, I'll, I'll I I do remember I remember when the movie came out, but it's the DeBarge song that I remember. Yeah, oh, from. well, that's and what that, everyone that's at what the time the movie was kind of cheesy. Oh, at, hey. It's still, still kind of cheesy. Yeah, yeah. That's what's so great about it. That's so. Yeah. It looks. It's. It looked like they wanted it to be a television show. It. It looks like a failed pilot. It looks like a pilot that just didn't quite make it to TV. And so, like, well, let's put it on. Let's make it a movie. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. The other. I'm sorry. I said that was the last one. I forgot about this one. This is a huge one, man. Because this is big in my wheelhouse, big time. 30 years ago this month, Police Academy 2. I'm watching... Oh, I can't even think of the line now. Oh. Family Affair. Family Affair. <laughs> now no. my, my brain is stalled. <laughs> Man, I look, I love the Police Academy movies, one through four. Love them. I loved them when they when they first came out. Um, Police Academy One was like one of the first R kind of like hard R rated movies mm-hmm. that uh, that I saw as a kid. I remember nice. my father taking me to that. And wow, some uncomfortable moments. A few, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, um, but I mean, uh, the dude who makes all the sounds, like the machine gun sounds, he My- was my hero. Michael Winslow, man, yes. you better believe it. Yes, sir. Loved his character. He'd do the machine. The thing that amazed me was there's one time when, uh, I don't know if it's in two, it's either in one or two, where um, the bad guy, the the captain, is walking back and forth in front of him, and Michael Winslow makes leaf-crunching noises. Mm-hmm. It's I'm like, oh my gosh, how did he do that? Yeah. Um, but that was my, those movies were my introduction to Bobcat Goldway. Yeah, the uh, second one, definitely. Yes, yes. I'm this watching one. Family Affair. Yeah. And, um, oh, I just, these movies, man, they shaped a lot of what I thought was comedy. And I don't understand why Steve Gutenberg is a punchline today. You know, it's like these were quality. Well, I think it's because he followed up the Police Academy movies with uh, Three Men and a Baby and then Three Men and a Little Lady. And All right, but three. Like, he just kept going cheesier and cheesier. Yeah, but now and three. He also made like 16 Police Academy movies. That, that, see, I thought he stopped. I thought he wasn't. In five, okay. Well, he still went know. to the well for three and four. But three and four aren't bad. Four, but they're not great either. And when you don't have much else going in your career, and you keep going back to the same thing, you know, I think that that's just my opinion. You asked why he kind of became a punching bag, and I think that that's part of it. Yeah, but he had that great. I mean, he was that. That kind of smart alecky, but you love him, you know, cute kind of, you know, hero it's, of a gun. He's basically like Vince Vaughn would have, is the Mahoney character now. Yes, it, yes, it's the same thing that Vince Vaughn plays in almost all of his movies. Yep, 
you know, that smart alecky kind of guy. And even to an extent, Adam Sandler kind of plays that same sort of smart alecky guy that always gets the pretty girl in the end. Yeah, he's not Although quite as goofy. Adam as... Sandler's a little bit, he's dumbed it down more. Yeah, but, Adam you know, Sandler. Definitely Vince Vaughn plays that. Yeah, Adam same, Sandler plays. Yeah, Adam Sandler plays a little more goofy. Um, but yeah, that was Gutenberg. I really feel like though it's also a product of the time. It's like, oh, this was a big hit. Let's put you, you know, and and actors have learned to kind of step out of that, you know, getting pigeonholed nowadays. Um, but back then it was like, yeah, we got another one. We got another one. We got another one. You know, strike while the iron's hot. Because I mean, I think this was actually released a year after Police Academy. I oh think. yeah, they just were busting these things yeah. out for like no money, and they were making huge bank. Yep. Yep. And you know who did all the posters for him? Um, Drew Struzan. Yeah, I was going to say Drew. Yeah, I couldn't. His name had just and the posters are amazing. Yes, all of them. All of them are, are just really. You know, I, I I especially remember that Citizens on Patrol one where they're all in the balloon. In the balloon, yeah. Um, the rest they're of them all are kind very of spilling out of yep, it. Yep, kind of almost like the Goonies poster. The rest yep. of them are very lineup type posters where they're all kind of coming at you in a line but yeah this one this one was kind of you know the first one was literally police academy them going through the police academy and this one was their first assignment this was first assignment, you know yeah. getting out on the getting out on the street and everything uh i just dug the heck out of all of those movies and police academy 2 was no different because i didn't see police academy 1 until later on in life because it was rated r but they 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 cooled off the they, they cooled off a lot of the content for the following ones so my parents were like, yeah, we'll watch. And we yeah, just, the, the next one. Well, they got smart. You make more money if it's PG PG thirteen than it is if it's yep. R. And my parents would sit around and laugh and laugh and laugh to Police Academy. We we just loved it. And, and of course, you know, with Bubba Smith, Bubba Hightower Smith in there. Yeah. Um. You know, my dad was always like, he was a football player. Thanks, Dad. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Moving on to 1990, 25 years ago. Man, it's hard to I. Mm, it's hard to believe 1990 was 25 years ago. Um, Hunt for Red October. Oh, I love this movie. I haven't seen it since 1990. I've seen this movie. I, I, I can't. I, I've read the book because I was a huge Tom Clancy fan. Mm-hmm. I read all those Jack Ryan books. And I've seen Hunt for October at least 20 times. Now, the, the plot of this is that Sean Connery is a Russian... He's, he's a Russian captain. sub... Uh, captain. Yeah. And uh, the Russians have built a submarine that has a caterpillar drive that allows the sub to run silently. And so basically they can park the sub right off of, you know, the, the coast and we wouldn't know it was there. Mm-hmm. And Connery thinks that the sub is too powerful and too dangerous a weapon. And him and a small him and his officers, who he's hand chosen, they decide to defect. And uh, Alec Baldwin uh, plays Jack Ryan, who is the he's kind of an analyst for the CIA. Mm-hmm. He's the one who figures it all out that uh, that Sean Connery's character is looking to defect. And bring the submarine with them. And then it's just a big cat and mouse, like really cool chase, you know, mm-hmm. action thing with the Americans trying to get the sub, the Russians chasing out. 
because Connery sends a letter to his to his senior officer, basically telling him I'm defecting and I'm taking the sub with me. So the Russians send the entire fleet after him. Um, and, uh, and, and, it's, it's and at that a point, really it's a really cool movie. At that point, it's a race against time. Most things in this room don't react very well to bullets. <laughs> I'll tell you. And, my- and the fun part about the movie is Alec Baldwin actually does the impression of him in in one of the big uh, shootout scenes. Oh yeah, also. really? Yeah, because I mean that that's what Connery tells him before he goes into the missile silo room. And then when Baldwin's in there getting shot at, like he kind of sarcastically is, you know, repeats it to himself. So. Well, but in a Connery accent. My my story about this movie is I did see it in our little theater here in in my little town, and I was thirteen, and it was right around the time my eyes were starting to go on me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like a you know I'm a squinting machine, you know, just before that time where your parents say, yeah. "All right, we're going to go get your checked out, get some glasses." Um, I'm a squinting machine, and I just remember like the opening of this movie has like just a lot of words on screen for you to read to kind of get caught up on the story. Yeah, it's all the. Yeah, and I could not see anything. I was I was trying. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in this movie. And I think in my 13 year old mind, I'm like, well, I have no idea what's happening. No sense in watching this now. And and I just kind of tuned out for the rest of it. But um, so that's my story about it. I need to revisit it. I I I've seen the let's see what is it Patriot Games and Clear mm-hmm. and Present Danger with Harrison Ford, and then Ben Affleck stepped into the Jack Ryan role. Yeah, well, and. Most recently, um, Captain Kirk. Uh, Chris Pine? Chris Pine played uh, Jack Ryan. They tried to reboot the franchise. Um, Kenneth Branagh directed a movie last year that with Kevin Costner in it and, um, and Kira Knightley, I believe. What was that? Played Ryan's wife, and Branagh cast himself as the bad guy in it. Oh, wow. What was that called? It was called, called uh, Shadow Recruit, I believe. I don't remember that Not at very all. good. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Um, no. The- I think, I mean, Baldwin was good, and it would have been interesting to see where he would have gone with it, mm-hmm. but you can't fault replacing him and Harrison Ford. Not at all. Not at all. Because Clear and Present Danger was a fantastic movie. Yeah. Yeah, that, my my biggest memories of a lot of these are just the 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 covers, the VHS covers on the shelf at the video yeah. store. You know, I like like I see there like with Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. I just and Hunt for Red October. I just see those images; they're burned in my mind from just because they, and they were always out. You know, they were always rented out. So um, the other big March release for nineteen ninety. Pretty Woman. <laughs> this is another movie I absolutely love. Really? Uh, I've seen this movie a bazillion times. I've seen it twice. I love everything about it. Wow. I can quote lines from it. I can sing songs from the soundtrack. I mean, the rock set song was a huge mega smash. Yeah. Well. There it is. Oh. This takes me back to going to the beach and just hearing this on everyone's radio. Like I said, huge mega smash. You better believe it. Must have been love. Mm. A lot of, lot of tears have been shed to this song, Over sir. Now. Lot of, lot of tears of this song. It just, it was, you know, Julia Roberts and uh, Richard Gere had fantastic chemistry. Yeah. 
in this. Um, it was for a movie that originally started really dark and was a drama that got turned into this, you know, one of the most successful romantic comedies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. Yeah, I, it's just you know I'm I'm very particular with my chick flicks that I watch, and I know this is a classic, and you know. And and ladies aren't going to be too impressed with me not digging it. I just don't. I just I love Julia Roberts. I think she is one of the most beautiful women in the world. Just mm-hmm. to look at, I love her smile. Um, you know, which I guess goes without saying. But I just think she's fantastic. And uh, and and yeah, I mean, I I don't know that this put her on the map, but it it definitely this put her on the map. It definitely, yeah, it definitely just kind of. She'd done Mystic Pizza, and I think. I think Sleeping with the Enemy came out after this one did, but this was really the movie that made her, that really launched her career. Yeah, that's the thing. It it just kind of shot her into the stratosphere. Yeah, with this one. So, um, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's iconic. It's an iconic film uh, from March of 1990. And one final March of 1990, uh, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, Eric, the thing about the Turtles is, is like I said, in 90, I was 13. I was collecting comics at this time and everything, but the Turtles were a cartoon on television. And so I I wasn't not watching cartoons, but at the same time, I wasn't interested in anything new slipping into my wheelhouse. And so the Turtles were just on the verge. I knew who every single one of them were. I actually have some uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle trading cards that are based on the cartoon series, but... Other, but that just was like appealing to my collecting nature more than anything. Right. And so I never saw this movie. I've got it sitting on my DVD shelf, sealed up in shrink wrap, and have not watched it, have not pulled it out to watch it. It was actually a decent movie. Um, you know, at, at the time, the thing that was really groundbreaking was that they did it live action and that the the suits that they had them in, actually, they were believable. Yes. Yep. It worked. Um, it wasn't the cheesy CGI kind of stuff that they used in, in the last one that, that came out last summer. Or, you know, they weren't kind of freaky, scary looking like they were in the one that came out last summer. <laughs> um, it, it actually worked. And the movie made money. I mean, they, they fired off a second one right away yep. that notoriously gave us that Vanilla Ice uh, turtle song. That's right. Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Go Ninja, Go, yeah. Um, but the first one is, it's actually a movie worth watching. Uh, it's not the greatest thing in the world. Sure. But well, look, I, you know, it, it's going to be what it's going to be. It was made for kids who are fans of, of the Ninja Turtles. Hey, if you watch The Last Dragon, then you can certainly can watch the Ninja first Turtles. Ninja Turtles yeah, movie. I, I'm not hating on it, but don't, don't, don't listen. <laughs> no, I'm not either. I don't want to get anyone emailing me talking about how much I hate the Ninja Turtles because I don't. Um, they just weren't in my wheelhouse and it wasn't anything that I ever got super interested uh, in. And who's the turtle with the purple mask? That's Leonardo. Yeah, uh, Corey Feldman is the voice of Leonardo. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought he was Casey Jones in those movies. No, Casey Jones is um, Casey Jones is like the dude with all like the sports equipment, right? Right, right, right. He's played by Elias Codias. Okay, all right. See, I I, I know their names, you know. Yep. <laughs> And they had some great Ninja Turtle video games, by the way. Well, and Elias like has gone on to do a ton of stuff since then. Mm-hmm. He's like kind of that. You don't know the name, you definitely know the face. He's that character actor that's always in the background, sort yes. of thing. Yes, and good actor. 
and, and and finally, twenty years ago this month, Arish, there are movies, there are there are conversations that I have had in my life with people, and we've all done this, where you're just back and forth quoting a movie, and this movie was one of those for me throughout college. <laughs> That's gonna leave a mark. Uh, this. This man is one of my heroes in comedy. Um, he's someone I learned to do a cartwheel because of this movie. And I'm talking about March 31st, 1995, Tommy Boy. Chris Farley, David Spade. Oh, my gosh. I, I love, love this, this movie. I love it so much. I mean, it's basically, it's almost, it, it's it's kind of planes, trains, and automobiles, just with a different kind of, take on it but it's mm-hmm. you know oh so well done and just it, it's chris farley at his best it's david spade at his snarkiest i had myself a tommy boy moment on a flight once <laughs> oh, no <laughs> i had I, it was a flight out to san diego i was going to comic-con and you know i got lucky and i got bumped up to first class oh nice um, so like three hours into the flight, I get up to use the lavatory oh. and me and airplane bathrooms, not a good, con- there's just, there's no room once I'm in there. I'm with you. You know, it's like grease me up. I'm going in. <laughs> um, so I, I do my business, finish up and I'm trying to exit the bathroom and I can't get the door open. Oh. And I'm like all squeezed and convoluted in there and I'm trying to open the door and it's not opening. And I just, I start putting my weight into it and eventually oh, no. the door just flies open and I fly out and hit the wall oh. across from it and bounce off of it and stand there. And there's three flight attendants standing right there because it's their little work area. Oh. And I just look at them. I go, I'm just a big dumb animal, aren't I folks? <laughs> and I walk past them and go to my seat and I sit down and I look back. All three of them are in stitches oh. laughing. Bless and your heart. It's to the point where one of them came over a couple minutes later after she composed herself and actually apologized to me for laughing at me. And I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about it. But oh. I mean, that was my Tommy Boy moment. We we would if if we did if we were caught in the act of doing something stupid, my college friends and I, we would just stop me like, I was just checking out the specs on the rotary girder. Nah, I'm retarded. Yeah, you know that we would do that. Um, the uh, Helen, you look like a Helen. Let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. And to this day, if if I'm starting, if we're going somewhere or doing something, or we, or you know, someone's like, "Well, we can try it." I'm like, "Hey!" And if it doesn't work out, we've always got that meat lovers pizza in the trunk. <laughs> That's just the thing, you know. I there used to, isn't a week that goes by that I don't say holy shnikes. Whole, yes, yes. Or uh, when I used to work with kids a lot and they'd kind of get out of line, I'd be like, you better pray to the god of skinny punks. <laughs> I love when he's giving the speech at the end and he's like, he's like, so-and-so, I lost my virginity to your daughter. And he's like, Merle, you were there. You were there. Yeah, you were there. <laughs> The whole, everyone, can I have your attention? This will only take a second. <laughs> oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> Listen I, up, this will only take That's what he says. Listen, <laughs> when, he's, when they're getting, he's getting pumped up to go in and talk to the talk to Dan Aykroyd, he's like, all right, remember we don't take no crap from anyone. Well, yes, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> we don't take no for an answer. All right, right. I knew that. And he's like rubbing the when I, I get when I when I'm nervous, I perspire. And he just rubs that that air freshener all over himself. Ugh. And uh, oh, and dude, uh, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. Come on. How many times have you said that to somebody? Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the the knocking on the door. It's like housekeeping. Uh, yes. Oh my door. yes. All the time. Housekeeping. I do that when I go to a friend's house. I just housekeeping. <laughs> uh, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, you know which way to the weight room? <laughs> Don't do the weight room thing. Don't do the weight. <laughs> what kind of hotel is this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. fat guy. Fat guy. I was just going to do that. Fat guy <laughs> in a little coat. Oh, man. Oh. I miss Chris Farley. Oh, indeed. I'm telling you, it was, I was so saddened uh, when he passed just because, like I say, I, I'm not joking when I say that he was a huge inspiration to me. Um, just just from the comedy standpoint yeah. of things. Um, and, uh, and, and so, yeah. And I love this movie. It's the best of, of the Farley outings. I think, yeah. uh, I think black sheep's really good, but I mean, it's just, it's Tommy boy and, and it's just so good. And, and I've heard people say they don't like it. I'm like, how, how do you not? And I guess I was just the right time and the right place and the right age, all that good stuff. John Candy was another one of those guys. Yes, that indeed. Was up there for me. Indeed. Uh, for one sure. of my favorite John Candy movies is the one where he is the uh, one with Ali Sheedy, where he's the the Chicago police officer and she's the mortician's daughter, and you know he falls in love with her. And I just love that movie because you never see the fat guy cast in a movie like that. Right. Right. And I, and I love that movie. And of course, it's got Maureen O'Hara in it, who's just like one of the most gorgeous things ever, but, um, yeah. So. Well, and Candy had the ability, he had that ability, you know, that I don't even think Farley quite had that when he got serious, um, you know, he had, he had the ability to really emote and bring across just heartbreaking emotion on screen. Yeah. And, um, and then just turn it back around on a dime. He was he was fantastic. He so. definitely made me laugh a lot. So that's the that's the uh, March movies that are celebrating anniversaries this month, my friend. Yeah. Good times, man. Good memories. Like just looking at some of these titles, just it brings me back a lot of times either to a video store or a movie poster, or in the case of Tommy Boy, I mean, like uh, let's just again, we just talked for fifteen minutes in quotes. I so. just watched Tommy Boy like two weeks ago with my nephews. And my nephews hate every movie that I suggest. Like, oh, you're going to love this. And then 20 minutes into it, they're like, this movie sucks. Uh, but Tommy Boy, my oldest nephew, was just laughing like crazy hmm. watching it with me. And it just made me so happy because he was laughing at all the stuff that I used to laugh at. At all the right parts. Still yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it whole, it's one of those. It's, it, I think it's going to be timeless, you know. Yeah. And I mean, how many... <laughs> I, I, we got to move on, but how many times have you been riding down the road with someone and you just keep flipping channels and you finally you stop? Can, you can change it. Yeah. No, no, you can change it if you want. It is two. It is two. It is two. <laughs> but that's not even the song that they want to change. It was the Carpenters song. That's right. Don't you remember you told me? Told you yes. Love, baby. Na, 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 na. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Somebody just said, Steve, this is badness. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, <clears throat> it is madness. And speaking of that, um, I don't, this is going to be impromptu. Um, Teresa Delgado wants to come in and talk to this is madness tournament really quickly. Are you up for some of that? Oh yeah. All right. Well, let me, uh, let me do this. Let me, let's, let's move out. That's past the corn, ladies and gentlemen. Here past in, the corn. So, uh, hey, Irish. Hey, Steve. Pass the corn. Pass the corn, man. Pass the corn. And uh, it, we are going to talk a little bit. I, I love this. This is Madness Tournament. I need to give it a proper uh, intro because I'm kind of hung up on intros. So here we go. Every March, as you know, uh, StarWars.com holds its This Is Madness tournament, a tournament where fans vote on their favorite Star Wars characters. We're almost at the final voting of the first round, and to help us kind of break it down, we welcome to Geek Out Loud the lovely, the talented, the powerful Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. Yo. I get online, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) They're on. (laughs) We have to talk. This is madness. And of course, <laughs> Erish is here with us. Which Hello, I'm so Teresa. excited about. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good. Um, so here, here's where we stand right now. Um, no, it, let me just let me tell you where we stand. <laughs> we stand with Jar Jar Binks beating Padme Amidala 69% to 31%. Right now, yeah, in the voting that is currently underway, Jar Jar oh is God. beating Padme 69%. Of, what world do we live in, guys, where that's happening? I'm, I'm really upset right now. Are I you mean, serious? I like Jar Jar, but come on. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. I'm glad to see it. I hope this is some of those kids that used to watch Phantom Menace and love Jar Jar that are just voting Padme down. Erish, where do you stand on Padme versus Jar Jar? Uh, I could go either way with them. Understanding that the second round is probably going to be either one of their last rounds. but uh, Who are they most likely up against in the second round? Captain Rex. Yeah, I'd vote Captain Rex. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the, uh, in the underworld division, it's Jabba the Hutt and Bib Fortuna. Right now, Jabba's up 87% to 13%. That's actually an interesting pairing. Yeah. Jabba, Jabba and his right-hand man. Yes. His, his major domo, if you will. Um, no surprise that Darth Vader beat out Count Dooku earlier today, and it was Chewbacca over Zeb. Um, in that voting bracket, just before we started recording the show, in fact. So mm-hmm. in, in our second round, it, it's shaping up to look like this. R2-D2 versus Princess Leia. Uh, Leia, who uh, beat out Hera, unfortunately, and R2, so beat, sad. Out, R, R2 beat out Sabine. Also so sad. Uh, you guys think R2's going to take Leia or vice versa? 
Hmm. That's hard because so many people love Leia, but there's so many people who love R2. So I'm the R2-D2 voter. That's me. I, I would put my money on R2 to win. Yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi pulled out a victory over the, uh, the Ahsoka, who I feel like pulled an upset over Luke Skywalker and a couple others, uh, to, to get onto the board. Uh, it was Obi-Wan Kenobi with 60% of the vote over Ahsoka's 40%. And so Obi-Wan goes on now to face Yoda in the second round. Um, I, I feel like we're headed to another Yoda, making it all the way to the end again, guys. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Uh- I'd be curious what like the age demographic is that's voting in this. I yeah, me too. I you know, um Ahsoka just to have Ahsoka beat out Luke was a big deal. That was huge. To, I was to so to make excited. it to the board, yeah. So. I mean, and she still did really well. It's not like Obi Wan landslided her. No, so. no, it's it's right, almost right down the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh in the second round also is gonna be Chewbacca against Han Solo. Han. Oh no! Yeah, Han yep. who Han who put a who put a hurting on Lando Calrissian eighty six percent to forty uh, to fourteen percent of the vote. Uh, Chewbacca won by the same amount against Zeb, by the way, which I am also upset about. So I feel like they could have been a little more even. Maybe we need another season of Rebels before. Yeah, I think Zeb catches on. I, I agree. I think well for all of them, you know, yeah. I, I think they'll catch on a little more as we move on in the show. Uh, are people going to stick with Harrison Ford, or are they going to take the big Wookiee, guys? Yeah, I think Chewbacca's getting a planet dropped on him. Yeah. <laughs> it was a moon, <laughs> Sorry, sir. Moon. It was a moon. <laughs> Here, Sean of Ice from Daring Publishing. Uh, don't remind me of that scene. I'm so glad it doesn't exist anymore in canon. Uh, <laughs> that was heartbreaking. Uh, anyhow... Um, yeah, I think Han Solo will probably pull this one out. Though I'd love to see Chewie win. My vote's going to be on Chewie, by the way. So I'm a Chewie fan. You know, I think I'm going to vote for Chewie just because so many people are going to vote for Han. Yeah, you just got to you got to throw him some love. Uh, it, I'm going to vote however Team Hondo tells me to vote. Mm. Even though Team Hondo didn't get their Hondo. Yeah, yeah. I was really surprised but, to see Pre Vizsla. I oh, mean, I was so ticked off. It was right down the middle, though. Again, fifty six percent to forty four percent. You know, a very tight race with these two. Um, People don't. Why do you want the guy with the weird fluffy mohawk? Like, come on. Because he's Mandalorian. The, Hondo's Hondo. Yeah. Ugh. I know. Hondo's I know. It's just not fully appreciated by everyone well he should be. i'm 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 not telling you that i think i voted for hondo Teresa. i'm just saying that i think that most people see oh mandalorian and they say pre vizsla yeah I'm, I'm going for that guy his name is pre vizsla yeah well <laughs> anyhow he sounds like a snake uh down here in the imperial side of things in round two it's going to be tarkin and grievous i feel like tarkin's going to go into the third round guys who did you vote for tarkin or piet i voted for tarkin Okay, me too. Yeah, Tarkin. Um, <clears throat> Grievous beat out the Inquisitor, by the way. Uh, a lot, I voted for the Inquisitor. I did too, but he Grievous beat the Inquisitor by a lot more than I thought he would. 66% of the vote to 34% of the vote. I thought that would be more uh, down the middle. Um, also, in the Bounty Hunters uh, second round is going to be Boba Fett versus his daddy, Jango Fett. No. And Boba will win. There's only one fat, and that's Boba. <laughs> Although, you know, it was Boba versus Asajj, and 
I I had a tough time, to be honest with you, voting on that because I love Boba Fett, but I also really like Asajj. Especially, I usually vote by the image that they're showing me, so I have to mm-hmm. think of that character at that time. And they're using her like most recent costume, and she was just B.A. Yeah. So. Well, she got 34% of the vote, um, which I think is you know, pretty high, a lot higher than what Greedo got in his bracket with Django, where Greedo only got 17% of the vote. <laughs> um, down in the Sith category, it's going to be Darth Vader and Darth Maul. 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 <laughs> I need all of my Darth Maul appreciators and stuff to come out so we can beat out Vader. Hmm. I'm, I'm calling all of you, wherever you are. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I'm afraid it's going to be Vader taking that again, Biden, and uh, and we'll end up with uh, with uh, with Vader versus whoever wins the second round, the Underworld, and uh, and probably Boba Fett. I imagine it'll be Boba Fett versus Tarkin. I imagine Tarkin will beat Grievous out on that particular second round. Yeah, and so I, I imagine you're going to get down on the dark side of things to Vader versus Boba Fett, probably. And um, and then what happens? Probably. Vader. Yeah, mm-hmm. Vader. I, I, I would love it if the Fett won. And he may very well. So it's going to be interesting. The light side's a little more out there. Uh, I don't know if Yoda can weather the storm against an R2-D2 should R2 beat Princess Leia. Um, and I'm assuming Yoda's going to beat Obi-Wan. Um, and should he do that, I don't know that he can weather the storm against a Han Solo. Because mm. I'm assuming Han's just got it clear free um, from here on. So... It'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I love this stuff. I love the March Madness stuff. This so. is the third year that they've done this. Third now? year, yeah. Didn't it? I think it was Yoda who won. Then last year was Vader. I thought R two no, won Obi-Wan. last year. No, it's Obi Wan. It's Obi Wan and Yoda. Vader still has not okay. won. Oh, okay. I thought Vader won last year. So yeah, Yoda then Obi Wan. So, wow. All right. Because the Obi Wan that won, I believe, was the Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. Obi Wan. I don't. Yeah. I think I could be wrong. All right. Well, and that's that's this is madness. Uh, right now, the voting, as we said, is Jar Jar Binks versus Padme Amidala. Jar Jar in the lead with 69% of the vote. Job of the Hutt with a commanding lead over Bib Fortuna, 87% to 13%. And Bib Fortuna, y'all, I'm telling you, he is just one ugly joker. He's so ugly. There ain't no getting around it. Ugly, u- ugly, ugly, ugly. So, well, Teresa, um, Yay, we're, still, fun. we're still on spring break from Disney Vault Talk. We are. And, just uh, because we've got a um, Star Wars celebration coming up and it's consuming what I'm doing. <laughs> that's fine. And uh, I know that you'll keep us all updated on what's happening out there at Celebration when you're out in Cali. I will do that. And I, uh, I may be going to Disneyland. And if so, I will let all of you know. All right, sounds good. When well, are you thinking of going to Disney? Um, I'm not really getting there early, and I'm not staying okay. late. So um, I'm thinking about going, getting a Twilight ticket and going like Friday evening. Because gotcha. they're open till midnight Friday night. Okay. So I was like, hey, maybe I should go there. So. I'm taking my nephew on Tuesday. Well, you guys have a blast. All right, guys. Can we can we stop making celebration plans, celebration week plans in front of Steve? <laughs> Sorry, That's sorry. On, on, See you in a few weeks, Teresa. On on okay. my show. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, Teresa. 
All right, bye. See ya. All right, Eris, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to refresh this call completely. I'm going to bring you back on and bring the other two guys on. We're going to talk some wars, baby. Okay. All right. And, uh, man, so excited about what we're about to do. So uh, let's bring Eris back in, as we call him. Maybe his computer won't stall up this time. You back no, with I'm you, on. All right. And uh, also joining us on this episode uh, to talk some wars is our good friend, Daniel, from Indiana. Daniel and Indy. Daniel, are you with us, sir? Yes, I am here. Welcome to Geek Out Loud, my friend. Hello, hello. <laughs> now, come What's on. Up, man? Hey, first off, Teresa, uh, Ahsoka winning by a landslide. Uh, first off, we all know Obi-Wan gave her a few points because she has a history of when things get hard, she likes to just leave. Oh, well. <laughs> Daniel, don't come on to be that. I asked you to behave when you came on the show. I'm just saying. I I'm very. <laughs> Daniel, you, you meet Erish. Erish, this is Daniel. Daniel is the uh, Daniel. Might Daniel's in a mood apparently tonight. Erish. Yeah, interesting. So Daniel, Daniel has provided a lot of fun audio over the years for the Big Honkin' Show, and um, and it's been it's always interesting when I get an email with some audio from. <laughs> From Daniel in there. And also uh, joining us tonight is going to be, all the way from Michigan, uh, our good friend from the Lost Hours podcast, Steve in Michigan. Steve Schoenborn. Shoney, are you with us? Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Oh, man. I am so pumped. Gosh. <laughs> I am so excited. I am so excited. All right. So let's do this. We're going to do this roundtable format and just see where the conversation takes us. But just to kind of get background, everyone, I don't want to steal Scott Rifen's bit on my Star Wars story, but just to kind of get everyone's history just really quickly in a nutshell, Erish. You saw Star Wars, the the original Star Wars, in in the theater as a kid, right? Yeah, seven years old in 1977. Oh my gosh, what was that like? Uh, well, you know, I was seven. I didn't know what I was walking into. I definitely remember, like, just being freaked out by Vader when he came walk when he stepped through the door, and you see him for the first time. I had like a sweatshirt with the hoodie on, and I had the hoodie like kind of pulled over covering like half my face. I'm kind of just peeking out like, cause I didn't know what was going on. Mm. And just after that, then it was just, you know, edge of my seat, the most incredible thing I ever saw. Uh, uh, Daniel, when, what, what, when did you see star Wars for the first time? Do you remember? I, it was just kind of always there. We used to have a, um, VHS recorded NBC of return of the Jedi. Mm. And we had that. We watched that for years. Um, I barely would remember the trash compactor scene from the first Star Wars, but I didn't know where I'd seen it until the THX versions came out. <laughs> Not really? Honestly, yeah. Until then, I hadn't really sat down and watched the first one. And then Empire Strikes Back, we had a VHS version of that, but my dad taught at a, a, a school for uh, special children. Okay, all right. <laughs> It was like a juvenile center. Okay. And about halfway during Empire Strikes Back, uh, some kids come on and start singing Boys to Men. Oh. <laughs> so that's what we had for a while. But yeah, just <laughs> Echo 2. NBC version up until THX. So. Echo 2 to Echo 7. Echo yeah. 2 to Echo 7. <laughs> I thought we'd live to see forever. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so 
okay, I'll get to, I'll get back to you because I've got some questions for you, Daniel. Uh, Steve, Shoney, when did you first see Star Wars? Oh man, I think I was six or seven, and and I vaguely remember seeing it when I was younger than that because Vader scared the snot out of me. Okay, and then when I was about seven, eight ish. Um, it was flipping through the channels one day, and and it was I'll never forget. It was the uh, the Millennium Falcon escape from the Death Star, and I'm sitting there watching it, going, "Hey, this is pretty good. What is this?" It was and just randomly on one day. Somewhere? It was just randomly on one day, and my brother who was sitting next to me goes, "This is Star Wars," and I go, "You mean the thing with Darth Vader, the guy that scares me?" He goes, "Yeah." I go, "Huh, this is pretty good." Not so scary now. And then my uh, my next door neighbor, who was my good friend growing up, we're we were hanging out one day and they had Star Wars. I don't know. They, I think they stole it from a video store or something like that or pirated it or something. And they threw it in and instantly captured my imagination. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I was, I'm like Daniel said, it's just always been around with me. I remember my mom for like my fifth birthday. I've told the story many times, so I won't tell it in long version. My mom rented Star Wars for my birthday. It was the first time it was able to be rented and she had to put down a hundred dollar deposit. Oh my to goodness. rent that thing so we could watch it my at my birthday, but um, I I mean I remember seeing even though I was like three years old I remember going to the theater to see uh, Empire Strikes Back. I fell asleep. I was just a kid, but I used to carry. <laughs> I've still got the trading cards. I would carry around those Empire Strikes Back trading cards, and oh wow, I carried them around for years and years. Um, and 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 just man, I was even as a little kid. I don't know what my parents were thinking as a three year old. Yeah, let them have Star Wars toys, but uh, they did, and I loved it. And have just always, this always... This will keep them quiet. Yeah, this will keep them quiet. Maybe he'll choke on one of those little guns. Um, so, uh, but, Daniel, I want to I get back to, to a question for you. So when did you really get into Star Wars then? Probably the THX versions. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, they've always been around. I, like you, I can kind of remember having the toys for my older brothers. Because the closest brother in age to me, I'm the youngest. He's five years older than me. Okay. And then my oldest brother is 10 years older than me. So he was well into Star Wars. There's, you know, pictures of him with trying to be Indiana Jones with the hat on all the time. So I remember playing with the Ewoks and stuff. But when the THX versions came out, uh, you know, my brothers were kind of out of the house a lot more. So and not having seen A New Hope that much, pretty much every Saturday night, because I was a ner- uh, just a complete geek, would just sit down. After mom and dad went to bed and would watch Star, would watch A New Hope just over and over uh, and over again, like every Saturday night. That was my thing to do for the longest time because I hadn't seen that one. I'd seen the other two so much that that was just brand that was, new. That was new information to, me. Yeah. to me. Yeah, uh, Aris, which one is your favorite? Which of the six that we've seen thus far? What do you have a favorite one of those six? <laughs> it, it, you know, it's hard to say. The easy answer is Empire. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain magic to A New Hope. Right. And I don't know, the older I get, the more I like Jedi, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's certainly the original trilogy yeah. is my trilogy. There, there's stuff that I really like Revenge of the Sith. Um, but uh, the first episode one and episode two, it's hit and miss for me. There's right. parts that I really like and then there's parts not so much. Um, I was, uh, you know, I, I, Return of the Jedi has always been my favorite, but when the special editions came out in 97 and I got to see Star Wars on the big screen, that was the first time I got to see it on the big screen. And 
I just I developed a whole new appreciation for that movie. Um, not that I didn't like it. Of course I loved it. I mean, it was I can quote it backwards and forwards. Even at that point, I could quote it backwards and forwards. But when I saw it on the big screen and then just subsequently took, you know, got the tapes and and started watching it back again and again and again, I'm like, this really is almost a perfect movie in so many ways. Um, and 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 with the and I know people, you know, I don't want to get in all the debates about special edition changes and everything. But the one thing I never hear anyone complain about is what they did to that last to to the Battle of the Death Star, to the to the Battle of Yavin. The way that they, you know, the digital ships and they they had a lot more movement to them. They were a lot more dynamic, and I think that just cranked up that movie for me. Was what they did with the with the final scene there. Um, uh, Daniel, favorite favorite one of the six. Uh, it's probably going to be it's it, it's all nostalgia. Obviously, I you know, Empire is probably the best made. I think everyone agrees on that. But just nostalgia wise, I always want to watch Return of the Jedi. And probably the Phantom Menace right after that. Really? Cause, yeah, because that's always just I. Maybe I was young enough, and like I said, it's probably a lot of nostalgia. I I get some of the flaws. The only scene I've ever had a problem with, probably in that movie, is the di- the the dining room scene. That's attack. When they're eating. That's Attack of the Clones. No, no. Well, no. When they're, no there's they're, a scene in, in Anakin's. Oh yeah, yeah. When they're sitting around where the Jar table, Jar Jar shoots it's, his tongue out. Oh, I guess that's right. The problem with everyone in the universe. Right, that whole right, scene. right. Yeah, that and um, but besides that, I I love that movie when Quagum, it came out. What yeah. a midi chlorian. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell it's a reshoot because he looks like he's six inches taller than the pre- rest of the movie. The the, the are the, you an the scene that always stood out to me in, in Phantom Menace is when Obi-Wan is apologizing to Qui-Gon for, for being, you know, trying to override him or whatever. He's like, I'm really sorry, Master. I should have never doubted you. And I just feel like they're about to kiss in that moment. Well, and you talk Cue about the, the romance cha- music. Yeah. The, the changes they made in like A New Hope. One of the things, like, I don't like the extra lap in the Phantom Menace that they put in. Really? I mean, I don't not like it, but it's like, it kind of drags on. Yeah. And it kind of takes the importance out of that scene, to me, out of it. But then another scene, there's a scene they cut out where there's a scene when they're on the landing pad and Anakin turns back and he just gives this look like he's as a little kid that he's so angry that they're talking about him behind his back. And I love that scene, but they cut it out. So <laughs> I don't remember. That. I don't I guess I don't remember that scene. I guess it's I, on the, the original uh, the original DVD release. It was on there okay. and as they're walking away. He's talking. Uh, Qui-Gon is talking to um, to Chancellor Valorum. Valorum. Yep. I never read that as anger. I read I that as am I, registered as more surprise. Yeah. Or am I supposed to be going with these guys? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? See, I doesn't Qui Gon like wave him off? He'd be like, "No, you go that way. We'll talk later." He's yeah, still he just wondering what midichlorians are. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Shoney, do you have a favorite movie of the six? You know what? It's I'm going to take the cheap way out. It's Empire Strikes Back. Okay. I mean, for the longest time, Return of the Jedi was my my favorite, and actually, I used to hate Empire just because I thought it was so boring. But then I grew up and learned to appreciate good storytelling, and I went, I just loved it because of uh you know that was where we learned about the jedi mm-hmm. you know that's where we got to learn what ben kenobi was you know and, and just that entire background it's an, and i love a new hope i i think you can safely say that every star wars fan loves a new hope right but can, can i ask you guys a quick question please 
Did you guys know that Vader was Luke's father before you saw Empire? I I know that I did not. I mean, I just you know no. I but it's but because I was so young, it's one of those things that I didn't get to process that surprise. That was I was going to talk to you about that, Irish, um, about it because you if you were seven when Star Wars came out, you were ten years old when you saw Empire. Yeah, I did. See, I did math, everybody. Um, <laughs> it was my understanding there would be no math. Uh, well, that's why I did it for you. Um, as you, uh, so there would be math. <laughs> I'm logging off now. Erish, <laughs> <laughs> as a ten year old kid watching that movie, did it register to you as like a dark movie or? Yeah, really. Well, yeah, because it, you know Luke gets his. Looking at from the ten-year-old's point of view, mm-hmm. your heroes Han and Luke are pretty messed up at the end of that movie. Yeah. You know, Luke has got his hands been cut off, and he just lost to Vader, who he found out was his dad. And you know, as a kid, there's like the one thing you want to know is what does Vader look like underneath that mask? Mm-hmm. And so part of it is like filling filling it in, like he's a monster under there. He's this creature, but. No, it's like, no, Luke, I'm your father. And it's like, wait a minute. There's like just a guy underneath that? What's wrong with him then if he has to wear all this stuff? And he's Luke's dad? Like, it just messed with your head. And then, of course, Han is like got these little pig dudes putting him in carbonite. <laughs> now, the Ugnaughts were you know, freaky. I'm not off Boba Fett's ship at the end. And yeah. it's just like, so for three years, we're all like, what's going to happen to Han? Like, what is Luke's hand going to be really strong and what happened with his lightsaber and stuff? It was like all these questions that just occupied like almost every day on the playground and stuff talking about that. Yeah. Did, so did you believe Vader? Yeah. Okay. How did you, how did you handle that? Do you remember? I don't remember how I handled it. I just remember it being like, there's like two big sci-fi moments that I remember as a kid, like that were just like all over the news and everything. And that was Vader being Luke's dad and Spock dying in Star Trek Two. <laughs> well, and I just remember like both of those were like huge, huge stories. Were like because my dad would watch the news every night when he'd get home and stuff. And I'd just be like, wow, there's Star Wars on the news. <laughs> and it just the, like that's how big a deal that was. Yeah, I mean, I I totally get that, you know. And, and it, I had a friend who had never seen Star Wars. Um, <clears throat> this was before the prequels came out. This was right after the time of the special editions. And and I sat down with this person and showed them Star Wars. They were totally into it. Then I showed her Empire, and we got to Vader's line that said, you know, he says, "No, I am your father." And she just looked at me. She's like, "He is lying. He, there's no." And I mean, just and it was so fun to experience. I was like, "How did you not know this? How have you lived and not heard that line at some point?" She's like, "I just never knew." And and, and just to experience that surprise with someone was so great. And to have those conversations, even though I knew, you know, between movies, like he's lying. Tell me he's lying. That's not. That can't be real. That's not true. That you know. And I'm gonna have to wait till Jedi to find out. You know, that's what everyone else had to do, and um, and and so, it, so, but I never really fully got to experience that. Well, you know, just real quickly, what there wasn't an internet back then, mm-hmm. so you didn't find out spoilers about stuff right away. Like you'd go to school, and like some kid who saw it over the weekend would be like. 
Darth Vader is Luke's dad. And you're like, no way, that's not true. And the other thing was you didn't everybody didn't go see the movie the first weekend. You know, like A New Hope, I think, you know, it came out in May. I think I saw it for the first time in like August. And Empire Strikes Back, it took it was like a month or so before my parents got around to taking me to see that. You know, these movies stayed in the theater for months and yes. months and months. Yep. Everybody didn't see it the first seven to ten days like we're going to see with like Avengers 2 in a few weeks or whatever. So like it, it took news longer to to get out. And, you know, one kid down the street would be, I was the first one that saw Star Wars. And then everybody would be jealous of him <laughs> until the next butt. kid saw it. And kick his butt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I'm still tripped up on the on the visual of Larry King going live from Roanoke, Virginia. Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker's father. <laughs> Is there I went, a clip of that? I, I need to see this. <laughs> was Larry King talking about it for real? I have no idea. I was, uh, <laughs> it's possible. Up. I went to the movies the other night and saw uh, the new Star Wars. I was my hair was blown off when Darth Vader said. <laughs> Then he was Luke's father. Kenny Buckport, Maine, you're on. Galeek, <laughs> as in unique. Galeek. <laughs> but, you know, it'd be the cover of Time Magazine or Newsweek, and that was right, a yeah. big deal back then to get that. Sure, sure. I, the, the big pop culture news that I remember being actually reported on the news was the death of Robin and the death of Superman in comic books. And that was the first time I was really... I mean, I remember some of the Return of the Jedi coverage, but that was more like fans are really anticipating the Return of the Jedi, you know? Right. Uh, of course, I, tuned, I had to tune into Siskel and Ebert because they had some footage that I hadn't seen yet, you know, and they were showing... when they were talking about their view of Return of the Jedi and stuff. But, um, but as far as just a news reporter coming on and saying, in the news today... Superman is dying in DC Comics. I was like, holy crap, why are they talking about this? Is he's not real? Like, I was a kid, I'm like, he's not real. Yeah, it's not news, but it was. As um, crying, yeah, as I'm crying, yeah, yeah. Well, see, for, for me on the playground, it would be a few years later after Jedi when and look, Erish, I'm not gonna, st I'm not gonna hang on this topic too long because I know you hate the Transformers. But when don't hate the Transformers, when, when that's okay. Steve hates the Dark Knight, so it's fine. That's true. Um, I don't hate the well, Dark that, Knight. That's something that we agree on. I don't, oh wow! All right. Well, I'm not going to defend myself then. Um, I uh, I don't hate the Dark Knight. But the big thing was Optimus Prime died. Like Optimus Prime died. That was huge. In a, in Rocky Four, Apollo dying was huge. Um, I mean, I, but those, it, it's, it was an interesting time because you're right, Erich, it was before the internet, you didn't have apps that you could sit around and play with your friends on, you were on the playground and you were reenacting movie scenes, you were getting together with your different toys and, and, and playing, you were talking about what you thought was going to happen, um, we were trading actual tops, trading cards, and not, not just <laughs> digital cards on our smartphones. Not just giving them day. all away to people. Which, by the way, uh, I am addicted to the Tops Trader app, by the way, for Star Wars. <laughs> I, I just downloaded it yesterday, <laughs> and I'm totally addicted to it also. It's so frustrating. Well, add me. I'm Steve G125. Steve um, G125? Yeah. Right, I'm doing it right now. I'll help you. The problem is, is they don't tell you when someone has added you. Oh, right. I let them know they need to do that, but um, stalkerish. Yeah, just make it. Just uh, suggest a trade, Daniel and Indy guys. If you want to make a trade with Daniel, just give him a Maudie. 
Give him an Adam Ramondi. I have like 96 Mottis. <laughs> oh, well, I'll give you 97. <laughs> so I think, I think in two days I already have like four of them. Yeah. So, uh, but anyhow, um, <clears throat> did you do... Now, see, and that's the thing. Like I say, my part of my big Star Wars experience as a kid were the trading cards back in the day. Um, em, Empire yeah. Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi particularly. Um, see, this is, this is going to seem sad to you guys. Mine was that 1990s... Uh, power of the force line the power of the the, the he-man figures the he-man yes. line i love those oh my goodness those the were vehicles, amazing to me the vehicles that were brought back from the 70s that couldn't fit the figures yep. oh, just yeah. right yeah kenner did do that I when they brought him back like the power of the force vader figure though because he's oh. just like yeah he's ba he's any j- other vader that they released after that it's Vader, here, have a hamburger for God's sake! All right, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> that first one was just menacing. I also, yeah, they, I also they need to re-release that one. I also liked the uh, R2 and 3PO from from that Power of the Force two line. Yes, um, yeah. Just because they 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 just look so cool, and R2 had that third leg going on. Um, and at that time, I didn't realize that. Never mind. Back in the day, Kenner released the the, the <laughs> droid playset that had an R2, where he could actually have that little third leg that he's got that pops out from time to time. So anyhow, moving on back to Star Wars. I, look, you, if I open, you guys know how I am. If I open the door, it's just going to all come gushing out, and because I just I love this stuff, and 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 so talking about Empire, Eric, you asking Eric a question. I don't guess I'll let these guys answer it. You, you guys, Steve and Daniel, y'all just always kind of knew about the Vader reveal. Um, I think it's kind of similar for me. It's I look at my five year old right now, and I I think it's very similar to him the way that I was. It's like he knows and he gets that Luke is Darth Vader's son and he gets that Anakin is Darth Vader, but he doesn't get that Anakin and Luke are father and son. Okay. It's like he doesn't make that connection yet. And I think that's how it was with me. I don't remember until it's like I knew about it, but I never had that moment where I was like, you know, monumental you know, a, a big reveal or anything, but yeah, it was just kind of always there, and then gradually I figured it out. Shoney? I remember seeing um, A New Hope first and then Return of the Jedi second, and just somehow my brain never connected. Wait a minute, there, there's a film in between here? What the heck happened? <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'm slow on the uptake a little bit, folks, but, you know, I, it always just merged in my head that, oh, okay, storyline, Vader is Luke's father. Okay, done. So I never had that <gasps> reaction right, that a lot of people right. have. And it kind of sucks because that, that's Doesn't the it? most fun way to enjoy it. Yeah, it, it does. Um, when, the, when the prequels were coming out, I had a friend who all of my friends were like, all right, we're going we're gonna to go on this ride with Steve. I had some great friends in the early 2000s. Not so much now. Um, <laughs> and, and they were like, we're going we're gonna to go on this ride with Steve through the Star Wars stuff. And so I was introducing just groups of friends to Star Wars who had either never watched it or hadn't seen it in a while. And when we went all to go see Revenge of the Sith and Palpatine throws down, about, you know, and you find out that he's the Sith Lord, um... One of my friends looked at me and she was like, are you serious? I'm like, I didn't write it. But yeah, they're serious. He's bad. And that was the closest thing that anyone had to a reaction like that. You know, and I didn't even get to have that because I'm like, I knew who he was. You know, you just kind of knew um, because of the EU or whatever. I want to ask this question and I I don't know that I can phrase it the way I'm thinking about it. But Erish, 
seeing seeing these movies as a kid, the, that original trilogy as a kid, and and all of us having grown up with it, there comes a moment, I guess, in time when you begin to actually see beyond um, the the lightsaber battles and and you know and, and the awesome space fights and the cool characters and and all that stuff, and and you start to kind of realize this is there's more to this than just fun movies. Um, Wait, you do? Okay, see you, Shoney. Um, yeah, well, where are you going with this? Well, uh, because for me, I remember the moment when I'm, I'm sitting in class. Uh, I think it was high school. And this was after Star Wars was kind of gone from everyone else's consciousness, but mine, it seemed like, where I was living. <laughs> and And we were talking about Shakespeare. And they were talking about a Shakespearean tragedy and what happens in a tragedy and everything. And I just was kind of sitting there doodling and listening. And and I always doodled this. I had as a kid, a, a, an older friend of mine showed me a, just a simple way to draw Darth Vader. And that was always just one of my little doodles as I was sitting there. And uh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Star Wars is the story of Darth Vader. This is just with the original trilogy. I'm like, it's the tragedy of Darth Vader. Look at how much was ruined because of this one man. Look at all this stuff. And that's when I first started to look at Star Wars on a deeper level than, you know, and, and, you know without, any, without any Joseph Campbell stuff, without any of the mythology stuff, without knowing anything about the hero's journey or any of that stuff, just started to kind of, like, intellectualize it a little bit more. Does that make sense, Eric? Yeah. Do, do you know when, I mean, is there, was there a moment in time for you like that? Uh, I, I don't really think so. Yeah. To me, Star Wars has always been like that escapism. It's where I can go to, you know, just be happy and have fun. Sure. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I'm not taking that away from the wars at all. That's that's me. There there are times where I'm just having bad days, and the only thing that'll put me back in a good mood is seeing. Uh, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, come across the screen. What I do think you need to do is go back to that school and drop the Shakespeare Star Wars books on that teacher's desk. Oh my gosh, I love those books, man. <laughs> That's what I think you need to do. Oh, Just be I, like, see, look at this. See? This is a, well, I didn't get made fun of or anything. I didn't bring it up. This was just in my mind. I, I thought this, and this is how I began to. I honestly began to understand Shakespeare because of Star Wars. How about that crap, ladies and gentlemen? Steve's eyes just got the size of dinner plates in the middle of class for no reason. It really, all. yeah, that when that was very emotive too. Yeah, as a kid, these <laughs> movies are about Vader. Yeah, <laughs> that that was a big deal to me, guys. Don't make fun. Back to sketching. Don't make fun. That was a big deal to me. Like I said, it was before the prequels and stuff. And so when we would sit around at college and start to talk about these things, when I found like-minded people, yeah, it, I, I think college was. I, I'm sure that there were moments in college where, you know, three o'clock in the morning we were, uh, we were having conversations like that. Yeah. And I wasn't even high. You know, that's the thing. I, <laughs> food hangover, food hangover, <laughs> food hangover. Yeah. I might've been, I might've been rolling with some donuts, you know, but not, uh, I did have a friend who lived across the hall from me and we used to do what we called the Luke medley where because I, I went to NYU, New York University, and our dorm had kind of a, a courtyard in it. So if you were in the courtyard, would yell out the window like everybody could hear. So if I was hanging out with friends in one room and I wanted to find him, 
I would just yell out the window and be like, Luke. Yes. Luke. <laughs> and then he would respond in Uncle Owen Luke. And like we would just go back through like all the different ways that Luke is called for in the movie. Yes. And yes. it gets to the point where our friends knew that it was us. And so they would start joining in too. And it just became like a huge thing. And a, a friend on Facebook the other day wrote a little post about how she was watching Star Wars with like her four or five year old. And heard uh, Aunt Beru calling Luke and immediately thought of us back in college doing nice. the Luke medley. So. Nice. The, the Luke medley. I love it. I <laughs> That's love what we it. called it. Do you, do you guys have any any quotes that you kind of go back to just in normal everyday life sometimes? Erich, I, I, I know you work in at Delray and, and kind of having your hands in some of the Star Wars stuff that I'm sure you guys do. But even outside of work and just with your buds, do you ever, I mean, are there any quotes that just kind of... I have one friend who, by greeting to him, mm-hmm. to say hello to him, is, you rebel scum. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, Daniel? Ah. Uh, no? I don't know. <laughs> I've got... For some reason, I always seem to want to go to, like, a, a certain point of view always pops in my head. Yeah. When I'm thinking of quotes from the movie or stuff that's, you know, when you're dealing with people. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> like, I, I deal with angry people sometimes, and it's just oh, like, no. that <laughs> quote will pop in your head and be like, well... From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view, they don't realize how much of a jerk they are. <laughs> Shoney, you ever quote Star Wars to just in regular life? It's not my fault. They told me they fixed it. Nice. nice. Yeah, <laughs> this I do. one goes here. That, that one, goes, one there. goes there. Yeah, but you got the kids too. to clean up the room. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, uh, when, when someone... When someone asked me to... go, I have no father, but... <laughs> mm, when someone asked me to lock the door... Uh, I always say and hope they don't have blasters. Yeah, I do that one too. Um, and I've got some friends that every time they call me or I call them, the first words are, hello there. The, oh, the, nice. the, the old Obi-Wan, hello there. If I'm watching like a football game and they go into the, no, the you know, this broadcast cannot be disseminated, I just always say to myself, no dissemination. No dissemination. <laughs> <laughs> when someone... You must watch it live and no disseminations. When someone calls on my phone and I hit decline, I'm just I just always go boring conversation anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whenever a call is dropped, I just go a communications disruption can mean only one thing. If, it's if outrageous. I, now this is getting really ridiculous, but if I see somebody like running to like get on a train or something. In my head, I just go run, Luke, run. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, dude. I used to when I was driving home from college because I had like an eight-hour drive. So whenever I'd come home for the holidays, uh, and there's just something about getting on the road that used to make me sleepy. I, you know, I can handle it now. I'm a grown man for crying out loud. I'm a grown but man. But uh, but I would get tired of listening to the radio. I'd get tired of whatever was because we didn't have podcasts back then. I mean, back in my day, mm. and and so. I would just roll down the window. That was back when you had more friends. That's right. right, That's right. I would just, uh, I would roll down the window and I would just start quoting Star Wars. I mean, from the opening crawl as far as I could get into it. You just start yelling Star Wars out the window? No, not yelling out the window, but just kind of driving and like. It's a period of civil war. Rebel spies have won their first (laughs) victory against the evil Galactic Empire. (laughs) Then every few minutes he'd be like, it's about Darth Vader. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. 
<laughs> he'd, be, he'd be doodling Vader on the back of his dad's car seat. That's right. Hey, no, no. I this you was... you want to get in trouble with the with the wife? Tell her uh, there's no time to discuss this with the committee. Mm. <laughs> She's not a committee. She is not a committee. <laughs> Trying to evade the cops because they think you're driving home drunk. It came from behind. <laughs> No, that's when you jump out of the car and just start screaming, Bees! 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 Save yourselves! I mean, I'm allergic. (laughs) (laughs) And we have gone full circle. That's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Um, um, Wow, I'm derailed. I'm derailed by the Tommy Boy now. Now we're back to Tommy Boy. So no, I just I ask that because like there th- that's how that's how ingrained it is into my life, mm-hmm. and and whether that you know some people say well that's pathetic but I'm just that's who I am you know, and so when you get with people just to start talking Star Wars to me, it you know you get into all this stuff and and I just realize that so many times just what a big deal this is and just how much like even there like you guys just came up whether you were serious or not but you came up with scenarios. And you went. Oh, I was sadly very serious. Well, me too. I wasn't joking around. Shoney and Daniel, they they came in feeling froggy tonight, apparently. Um, Ribbit. And so, uh, so yeah. Um, let yeah, I, I remember. I'm sorry, Steve, but just uh, you know, we'd have like a six, seven hour trip to my grandparents' place, and every time we'd go, it'd be the radio drama. Just really? Throw it, throw it on, turn it on, and just keep on going. Really, with the and, whole and, fam. And, yep. I, I'd have headphones on, so oh, okay. no one paid attention. Oh, to me. so you? I fun. thought you said we were growing. We thought I, th- I thought you meant like they would pop it into the old tape deck or the eight track player no. or what have you. No, it, no, they they wouldn't dare do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> they what, that's put me was... off to the side of the road in about two miles. But uh, all three of them, or just like the? No, it would just be mostly like a New Hope. Okay. Uh, on the way up, and then maybe like Empire on the way back. Um. That was until '96 when they finally did the uh, Return of the Jedi. Did they but not do no. Jedi until '96? They waited. Wow. It wasn't. It wasn't until. Oh goodness, I can't remember what started it, but basically the guy that uh, did the uh, the adaptation, Brian Daly, he was actually, you know, he he got cancer and it was really bad, and I think that he even passed away hours of them uh, completing it. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it wasn't until '96 that they uh, that they fin- that they finally did it. It'd be hmm. great if they did the prequels just to have it all. I've heard a lot of people saying that they'd love to see that. I, I don't know what goes into. I'm I'm ignorant as to the cost of doing something like that, but I, I'd, I'd be on board with it. I I didn't listen to those things until just a few years ago uh, to oh, the radio dramas, but they are they're so neat because they they yeah. just. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, whether it's canon, I, I don't like canon talk, but whether it's canon or not, it's just really, to me, interesting. The whole Luke and Han in the shelter overnight stuff mm-hmm. in Empire really stood out to me in those radio dramas. You got to get, if you're going to do the prequels, you got to get James Arnold Taylor and, um, oh gosh, Anakin from Matt the Lan- Clone Wars. Yeah, Matt Lanter. Matt Lanter. Yeah. Yes. Get those two to do it, especially Matt Lanter. Yeah. His Anakin is great. Yeah. Now, what do you got? Where do you guys stand, I, Daniel? I know you're you dig the Clone Wars and Rebels, Shoney. Yeah, do you- I came in. I came in halfway uh, with the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. so I came in around season three, and then that kind of 
about when I started listening to the podcasting. Okay. Got me into it. So, yeah. I From there on, I loved it. Shoney, where do you stand on the animated stuff? Oh, I love the animated stuff. Clone Wars, you know, I tried to watch during, uh, you know, right when it started and played catch up on and off through and through. But Rebels, for whatever reason, it just hook, line, and sinker right from that first episode. And it's bam, on it every week. I think it feels like Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, I yep. mean, it, it definitely feels like, like most of our conversations have been centered around that original trilogy. And you're right, it really does. It has that feel to it. Right down, you know, we, you know, Eric, you've been on some of our little roundtables on Rebel mm-hmm. Yell, and we've talked about that it just, it captures the humor and that sense of adventure. And, you know, the thing that everyone's glommed on to over the years, the faster, more intense aspect of it. I mean, the show has moved quickly mm-hmm. and, and meaningfully and in, a, and in a coherent story, you know, line. And, uh, and, yeah, I think a lot of people have jumped on board that have been surprised by how good it is. I know I was. And one of the things, too, is like just not only has the dialogue been just right there on par with some of the original trilogy stuff, they've let Ke- uh, Kevin Kiner off the leash. Yeah. And that stuff is, it doesn't sound repetitive. He's mixing it so much. I mean, it sounds different, It sound, but it sounds the same, and it just is perfect in almost all the episodes. Yeah. Do, do you think that's because he's been unleashed or because he's just gotten better at doing Star Wars? I don't know. Maybe I, it's I just he's gotten both. better. We'll find well, Sam. We'll just disagree on this. <laughs> well, I mean, didn't he admit that even in the Clone Wars, I swear there was an interview on Rebel Force Radio or Force Cast, what, uh, whatever incarnation it was, but where he was, you know, he was given direction to kind of stay away from that Williams-esque uh, music. Yeah, that's what I remember. I feel like they, they were afraid they were going to hit you over the head with it too much. Mm-hmm. Like they were going to rely on, it would be taken as them relying on that. Mm-hmm. instead of the actual content of the show. Whereas with Rebels, I just like I said, it just fits in so so perfectly with everything. Yeah. Well, in the in the early days, especially of the Clone Wars, they were trying to experiment a lot. You know, if if like the episodes yeah. that were about the droids early on R2 and and Goldie fighting, you know, they they went with a more electronic sound. When they had the Zillow Beast on, they went with more of that classic Toho sound and 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 so they were they were kind of experimenting and dancing around it. And what they found is that Star Wars works best when you've got a Williams esque sound behind it. No matter what the no matter what the content on the screen is, that Williams is the way to go. Not necessarily and, aping well, all of maybe, his themes and stuff, but just kind of having that feel. Could it also be the fact that like with the Clone Wars, Steve, you know, just like you mentioned, it seemed like they were always trying something new. Mm-hmm. And so you you know, with that the music had to match it. Right. And with Rebels, you have that one cohesive storyline. Yeah, everything, you know, the events of each episode go, you know, are different, but there isn't a, oh, hey, we're doing a Godzilla esque story. We're doing a, you know, a droid story, so we have to go techno on it. It is a, all right, you have these individuals going up against the Empire, and you have some Jedi training here, and you got, you know, some people playing with bombs over here just because, hey, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, well, I think. All in Sorry. all, you have that straight Star Wars cohesive line, yeah. and therefore the music follows the story more. Mm-hmm. Eric? I think thematically the two shows are very different also. You know, The Clone Wars is its really kind of a collection of stories told within this short time period that happens to be The Clone Wars. And it's, you know, a lot of these uh, very militaristic mm-hmm. um, 
Whereas Rebels is back to what the original trilogy was, and it's really this hero's journey. You know, uh, uh, we're, we're really following kind of Ezra through this, and so it fits better to go back to that John Williams score. Well, and that's almost, and that's really kind of a big difference between the prequels and and the original trilogy. Is is the prequels start out? You know, even though you're just focused around Naboo, you're already in a larger world, it seems like, than we ever were in that original trilogy because you're dealing with Coruscant and the Senate and you're seeing so much. And it starts to kind of funnel down into that more personal story by the end of the prequel trilogy. And and then it kind of funnels back out, you know, because at the end of Jedi, you've got... Uh, you've got the re- rebellion fighting the the la- what you know not now not the last but you know for all intents and purposes to us for years the last big battle against the empire and taking back the government in a way um, but but there in the meat of it all is that hero's journey that that singular person and 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 you kind of narrow your focus down and mm-hmm. and yeah that, I think that's a great comparison between the two series and I think it helps us. It helps us get more attached in 13 episodes to what happened in Rebels than 13 episodes of The Clone Wars, where we start out here, and next week we're somewhere else, and the following week we're somewhere else. We're like, well, whatever happened to these guys over here? And that's mm-hmm. not a criticism. I love The Clone Wars. I really did. But you know, I think its weakness was the, the anthology-type storytelling that they did. And well, Go ahead. And I, and I think one thing... And Steve, you, I don't know, you might relate to this or not. Um, it kind of reminds me, the Clone Wars kind of reminds me of Smallville. Whereas you have a story, but we all know where it's going to end up. Mm-hmm. But they've kind of got their hands tied because you're dealing with such well-known characters. So it kind of drags out. They're looking for different things. I, and not drags out in a bad way, just to get to the point from point A to point B. And you've got those filler stories to kind of fill in the time. Whereas with Rebels, you're dealing with characters that you know we don't know what's going to happen their hands aren't tied i mean we know but we don't really these individual characters don't know so they have more freedom to move the story along same way with like you see flash and arrow compared to smallville they've not tied their hands by saying that there's going to be you know you're not going to see the no fly rule or anything like that so they've allowed themselves to go further along with the characters Mm -hmm. I don't want to, and I don't want to get into a referendum on rebels necessarily, but don't we kind of? I mean, you know, the thing about Clone Wars that we followed, though we knew where the overall thing was going, was Ahsoka. You know, everyone kind of glommed onto her. What's the fate of Ahsoka? What's going to happen to Ahsoka? With this, you know, do we really? Don't we though kind of know where things are going? I, I, I talked about in the email section at the beginning. You know, you don't want to assume that everyone's just going to up and die, but. No, no, they're all going to die. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but at some point, you know, I don't know. I, there, there's part of me that I, I always go back to, to me, those, there's so much that was said in Star Wars, even from a certain point of view, that is just gospel, that is Star Wars gospel to me. And and some of that is what Yoda was saying on his deathbed. I don't think Yoda was going to be playing mind games and point of view games as he was dying. And and when he tells someone's got a message coming in, and when he tells, um, I'm sending you a trade. Okay, as <laughs> as uh, as he tells Luke, you know, when gone am I the last of the Jedi you'll be. I really feel like that means when gone am I the last of the Jedi you'll be. 
Yeah, and I, I, I hope they keep that intact. So you um, want to see them all die? Either die or, or stop being Jedi. Hmm. I mean, but I don't know how you do that. I don't know how they, they stop being Jedi. I don't... I'm not the type that thinks... You know, a lot of people are like, well, the Jedi did it wrong, and that's why everything collapsed. I think the Jedi, if they would have stuck to what they were supposed to be doing, they would have been okay. But they didn't follow their own rules and ended up, you know, getting involved with the Republic. I mean, you see in, like, the Phantom Menace, instead of... They got the Chosen One right in front of them. Instead of relying on the Force, well, they formed an attachment to the Republic. They're too worried about that instead of taking care of what they should be doing, which is their dealings with the with the Force. Hmm. So, I mean, and, well, and there you get onto the whole thing about the Jedi as far as, you know, how messed up were they by the time we see them in, in The Phantom Menace. I mean, we never... In, in some ways, we never really got to see the Jedi at their best, did we? I think we saw them in their twilight. Definitely in their twilight years. Yeah, I because think... Because it's, it's like what Daniel said. It was, you know, they, they're more politician than anything when we see them. And then they, they become more and more political when you get into, you know, Attack of the Clones to the point where now they're drafted into the army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like a the yeah, terrible illustration, but it's almost like the... Uh, the brakes on your car, you know, you don't realize that the pad's running out until it's, you know, until yeah. you have an issue. Oh, tell me about it's it. Like, it's like, it's Been there. like with the Jedi. They don't realize that they're, what they're doing is losing their connection with the Force until it's too late. Yeah. See, what happened was that they got their, they didn't get their tax exemption from the government, you know, as a religion, and that's what caused the downfall. Well, they should have, <laughs> they should have got their brake pads from Big Callahan, from Big Tom Callahan. <laughs> and there we go again. <laughs> I would actually argue that we do see the Jedi at their best, but we don't see it in the prequel trilogy. We see it in the original trilogy. Oh. And we see it in Obi-Wan and Yoda and Luke. Hmm. I would agree with that. You know, Obi-Wan, that, yeah. Obi-Wan realizing that if he allows Vader to strike him down, he becomes more powerful mm-hmm. and will be able to better help Luke than if he were to fight and try and defeat Vader. You know, Yoda, having hidden himself away in exile all these years, basically anticipating that one day he might get the chance to train Luke. Hmm. And then Luke being smart enough to to deactivate the lightsaber and toss it aside when he's basically just one lightsaber blow away from crossing over to the dark side. You know, and by tossing the saber aside and confronting Sidious and, you know, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, which is just one of the best lines in all of Star Wars. Yes. You know, that's, you know, that's Luke accepting, you know, who he is and what he is and and the beliefs of the Jedi. Is that moment... And, and I know this is subjective, and, and so I, I'm just saying, in a way, I guess, is that moment where he tosses that Jedi and just, uh, that lightsaber sign, he's like, no, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Is that, even with all the effects we see in the prequels, even with all the, oh, even with all the effects we see in the, in, in, in the original trilogy, with everything that's going on, is that not like one of the most greatest, and the terrible grammar, moments in the entire saga? The scene with the duel between Luke and Vader mm-hmm. in the th- in the Emperor's chamber there, and when the string music comes in, yes, 
you know, that's my favorite scene in all six Star Wars movies. Uh, it's just gorgeous. Yes, yes. And 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 what I love is that the Emperor just with disgust, he just looks back, so be it. Mm-hmm. Jedi. I mean, he's almost just spitting the word out. Yeah. He even curls his lip a little bit. Yes. Like, he just hates it. He hates... It's like we finally see the Emperor in full hate mode. He's been toying with this kid the entire time, and now he's just like, okay, you want to claim Jedi? Well, let me do you what we did to the rest of them. And the magic I of that scene Jedi is raise you sit. Vader, who's wearing this helmet that is just doesn't move at all, yet you still feel emotion coming off of him. Mm. You know, as he's standing there and watching Luke just taking the Force lightning. And, and you see the conflict within him, and it's... Uh, I love it. Could Luke... Was there any way in that moment for Luke to have saved himself? Or was well, he... he could have just put I, the lightsaber in front of him and caught the Force lightning on the lightsaber. Well, he tossed the lightsaber to the side. I know, but well, he said, "Could there be a way?" And yeah, right. if he had held out, if he had known that he could have held on to the lightsaber and used that to catch Force Lightning, right? Or you know. he could have, but or there could have been like a Kanan type moment to where Luke just fully taps into the Force and he starts absorbing it like Yoda. Yeah. But the reason I'm asking is because I get to a point where it's like, I mean, at this point, Luke was like, "You're either going to turn or I'm going to die." I mean, he was so convinced of Vader still having good in him that he was he was about to die for that conviction. Yeah, I think in that mo- point or in that moment, you know, Luke is just he's relying on the force. You know, and yeah, he probably could have might have been able to do some of those things, but I think he's doing what the force is telling him to do. And isn't that the Jedi thing to do? Yeah, and like Erish said, like you were saying, they are far beyond better Jedi in the original trilogy because they've relied on the force. I know I told Steve one time uh, on the Big Honkin' Show, and you, you laughed at me because I said it out of the blue, but if you look at A New Hope, if the Jedi from the prequel were attacking the Death Star, they would have just kept the targeting computer on because they oh, didn't yeah. rely on the Force at all. Yeah, hmm. And that I don't remember you saying that, but that is fantastic. I got hmm. chills when you made that Anakin point, would not have. Anakin wouldn't have relied on the, the targeting computer, but I think the rest of them would have. Yeah. Is the tragedy of Anakin <clears throat> that he was just too powerful for them to know what it, what to do with him? I think the Jedi are very much to blame for Anakin's turn. You know, from the moment that Qui-Gon Qui-Gon was the only one who ever believed in Anakin. And from the moment that Qui-Gon brought him before the the council, like they just Treated him like the redheaded stepchild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put him in the corner. They, they just they you know they just ignored him. They were more concerned with what was going on with the like I said with the Republic. Never trusted. So, him. You think they would have focused on that if that was such a big deal? They would have focused yeah. on it. And you got Qui Gon coming and telling them, which they probably didn't like. You know, he's already had disagreements with them, so they probably don't want to give him any power. Yeah. yeah, he was the renegade of the group, but yet he was the one that saw the whole story. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the guy that said, all right, you go do this over here and whatever. But there's this other path that we need to start looking at again. It was, you know, it's it's almost like he was the wisest of them all. 
well, you know, because he understood that, hey, there's more to the story here. I've, I've maintained that I feel like Qui-Gon had tapped into something because he keeps, he keeps using the term the living force, the living force, the living force. And I feel like Qui-Gon had tapped into something that the Jedi had almost forgotten in a way. And that's why he was so adaptive to the fact that it didn't matter that Anakin was too old to begin the training. It did, you know, he was going to work around all this stuff because he was so convinced of the will of the living force. And, and the Jedi had lost sight of that. I think Obi-Wan came around to believing in Anakin, but it was too little too late. And maybe mm-hmm. for all the wrong reasons. I, yeah, I think Obi-Wan certainly believed in him, but Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan too often treated him like the little brother instead of the trusted friend. Right. Agreed. Completely agreed. That's you what know, I'm saying. Would, I, be, would be quick to scold him or, you know, not, not put him in his place, but yeah, I guess put him in his place. Sure. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I think when by the time Obi-Wan came around, it was too little too late. I think that he had, you know, I think the conversation they have in, in Revenge of the Sith is Obi-Wan's going to leave to go after Grievous. <clears throat> I think that Obi-Wan meant everything he said to Anakin. That he that he believed that Anakin was about to be a greater Jedi than he could ever be. And and I think he meant that from the bottom of his heart. And and, for, and Blinded didn't see what was coming in Anakin. You know, mm-hmm. because everything starts to fall from there. And it's a to me when I first saw that scene, it was a heartbreaking scene because I knew what was coming. These guys were parting, you know, maybe for the first time in a long time on equal footing, and 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 okay with one another. But as a viewer and as someone who knows the story, you just know, oh man, you know, yeah, <laughs> don't leave. To this day, it still gets me. Yes, yes, you know, because it's the next time that these guys see each other, they're trying to kill one another. You were and my it's- brother. Oh, oh, don't do that. <laughs> that still tugs at the old heartstrings every time I hear it. <laughs> it, oh. Ewan McGregor, he got what he was doing in those movies. You know, everyone, I hear so many yeah. people can kind of complain about, you know, I've, I've, you've heard, you know, Natalie Portman talk about the challenges of working on all the green screen. And even Liam Neeson, who did a fantastic job as Qui-Gon, you know, has talked about it too, but... It's like Ewan McGregor just got it. He got what I think he got what these movies are, what they were supposed to be, and just went above and beyond even maybe the direction he was given uh, to just just pull performances out that were great. And that scene there on Mustafar is just it's outstanding. It it is it is heart wrenching his delivery of those lines. There is go ahead, Eric. There is a great clip, just speaking to how you and McGregor got it. There's a great clip that's kind of floated around for a few years <laughs> uh, from that BBC show talk show with Graham Norton, mm-hmm. where he had um, he had you and McGregor on, and he had uh, one other actor on. He was the guy who played the cop in Bridesmaids. I don't know the actor's name, but uh, Graham Norton was just like he's like I, I just he busted out like the force effects lightsabers and the, the three of them each had one and Ewan just stands right up and he had the Obi-Wan model stands right up. He starts twirling the blade like crazy, you know, just like right back, just fell right back into it. And then the, the other actor, he's like, he's like, 
when when you guys were using these on on set, would you make the sound effects with your mouth? You know, like this, <laughs> and like right away, you and McGregor went right into it and started doing the sound effects with his mouth. And it's just as a Star Wars fan, it's just such a fun clip to watch because. You just see how much that even after it was all done, you and McGregor still loves Obi Wan and still love being part of that. On that great documentary that was on yes. the the Episode One DVD release, uh, the beginning, when they they show a shot of them filming the the scene with with Maul and Qui Gon and Obi Wan, and and Ewan come, falls back on some crash mats. And he just kind of pumps his fist. He's like, and they asked me to be in Star Wars. And I was like, F yeah, I'm yeah. going to be in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> they bring him his lightsaber to choose. Um, there's even, they, they're having to bend the metal rods back because they're hitting so hard, him and Ray Park. Yeah, yeah they got <laughs> they, into it. They got time. to a point where they were originally like, oh, are we going to... I think Lucas thought that they might have to speed up the fight to show how good the Jedi were. And then when they actually filmed it, there was actually discussion of slowing it down. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. him, Ewan McGregor and Ray Park were so fast, had gotten so good at it, they didn't think – either they didn't think it was, would look good or that it wouldn't be believable. Mm. Right. Well, do you think, though, that maybe the other actors, you know, Hayden Christensen, Natalie Portman, they were looking at Star Wars as a means to an end, like, hey, this will get my name out there. Whereas Ewan McGregor, I think – wasn't he a little bit more established at least – maybe independent film wise but he saw it as hey this is star wars i want in i think natalie already had her name out there and she had done uh you know she'd been in the professional um she had done uh, a bunch uh, as, as a child actor i think she had already was establishing herself as a, as a quality actress so uh, i think that this wasn't a I need to get my name out there kind of project for it because I think it was already out there. And I think it's too uh, it has to do with age. I think Ewan was older. I think he probably would speak up more on certain things. Whereas when you got two younger actors and now at this point you've got George Lucas where he's George Lucas. Whereas in the original trilogy, you watch the old documentaries. They don't they don't have a whole lot of respect for George all the time. And I think that helped because they mm -hmm. spoke up more. Whereas when you get into the prequel trilogy, you get the feeling that you do have a lot of yes men for better or for worse on, on, on a lot of things. Like people that might have been too afraid to, to, to change things. And in the original trilogy, you know, he's surrounded by his peers, people that just don't know him and don't care. You know, the ILM guys are goofing off. You got uh, his – wasn't a Kirshner – from was he from his school? I can't remember. He had some sort of ties that with Kirshner before, but Kirshner, you know, is more of an elder to him. So you know, I think I think in the original trilogy, people felt more apt to speak up about things and were more comfortable. Whereas by now, he's almost reached that mega static, yeah, mythic mm -hmm. static status, and I think they are just less likely to speak up speak up to him about stuff. And I think. You can get into a lot of things with, like, you see on the documentaries, like, they're just doing some of the digital stuff, and you wonder how much was just doing it to do it sometimes. And there's certain parts in the movies with the prequels, and I love the prequels, but I even think there's certain things that probably could be met, made a little bit better just by simple editing things. But I don't mm -hmm. think, you know, that's their decision. Well, that's one well, of the I things... 
that's one of the things on the Revenge of the Sith uh, Blu-ray release. They they recut the the scene with R two and the slow burn. Uh, they cut back and forth a little bit quicker between he and Obi Wan on the on the com link where R two is trying to keep them quiet and and R two getting frustrated. Whereas they let it play out a little bit differently. The edit's a little bit different there. There's some different editing on. Um, I want to say in Attack of the Clones, there's a place where where the editing's done a little bit differently at the end, and um, and it does. It makes it. It has a different flow, and it has a little bit better flow because of it. Um, well, if you think of A New Hope, the original edit of that, they said it was a terrible movie, and they went back and re-edited it. Well, in a lot of movies, I mean, the editing is kind of like your real final draft of the writing. Yeah, Ed- editing is I- is key. I remember back, what was it, 02, 03, when they released um, Attack of the Clones in the IMAX theaters. And this was back when IMAX theaters was a big deal. And they had to recut Attack of the Clones so that way it would fit on the reels. It was just too long. Yeah, what it they had did to be is they, two hours. Yeah. Um, it was like 180 minutes or something like that. I can't remember. I think that was the final cut. But it, anyways, um, details. But... I remember that they took out the vast majority of the Hayden and Natalie scenes mm-hmm. and they kept in just enough where it was almost like the Han and Leia dynamic in Empire Strikes Back where you know there's a little bit, there's something going on between these two characters and it did help with the flow of the movie and honestly, I think in that cut, it was a little bit more believable when they went in and you know they kissed as they went into the uh, the Geonosis arena. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel forced. It seemed like it worked out a little bit better. You know, so and I mean, I'm one of those nut jobs that think that they should have cut out a couple of things in, you know, in the film and threw in some of the uh, the deleted scenes of uh, of Padme's parents. Of her parents of the you know the most boring deleted scenes ever. Yeah, <laughs> some some of them mm-hmm. because I think that helped. If it's either you show less of their interaction or you show a little bit more to establish it, you know, to give it some credence, I guess. No, I I see where you're coming from from that. I've just always, I feel like that's the weakest part of attack of the clones to me is, is the love story because I feel, I want to say it was Jason Spencer uh, from flicks podcast who we were talking and he said, you know, what would have really worked out great is if they would have put one action beat uh, with another bounty hunter going after Padme and Anakin while they were posed as refugees on that transport ship to Naboo, you know, and yeah. them and them having to work together to take that guy out because then mm-hmm. you because their banter really ramped up good in the action scenes, you know, they had a nice callback there in the Geonosis Arena where he's like, you call this diplomacy, and she's like, it's uh, you know aggressive negotiations, and um, you know, it, so yeah, I, I just feel like. And two, I feel like they might not have gotten the dialogue and, and really gotten how they were supposed to do with it. The, Hayden Christensen does some amazing stuff in Revenge of the Sith where his line delivery, <clears throat> if you pot it down and put some effects over it, he sounds like Darth Vader. The way that, not not again, not the timber, but the cadence of the way he delivers lines is very Darth Vader-y. And, um, and I feel like that was a, a, a choice, you know, to to deliver his words and... and, and, and pronounce things a certain way well and i've always said to well myself and no one else really mm-hmm. when <laughs> after the phantom menace you had the outrage about jar jar about jar jar that character was going to be in episode two and three a lot more mm-hmm. i always felt like and they changed that up and i'm 
you know, that might have been a good thing because I know a lot of people. I like I said, I like the Phantom Menace, and but I can't always help but feel that the way Episode Two and Three flow, the way the characters interact with each other, is different when you have that third will around. When you have that C three PO interrupt and stuff and things like that, you have those side characters to kind of speed along the the story. I I feel like they've cut him down, and you have those shots that in a God, I sound so terrible right now. <laughs> I hate, I hate picking on stuff. Go I on. hate nitpicking stuff because I hate people that do that. It's fine. And uh, but I mean, you have those shots that. Like between Padme and Anakin, where it's almost like there's a lingering on the shot after Anakin says something uh, yeah. that almost makes it awkward. Like like a <laughs> like like Sim was saying, where they they cut that down, and it flows so much better. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and I I would love to see Jar Jar be the C three PO in that relationship. Um, you know, you you take oh my gosh, that's the, a smooth move, Annie. The yeah, well no, the the whole thing in in Empire when. When 3PO comes in as they're kissing for the first time, Hanalei, he's like, Sir, sir, I've isolated the negative power coupling. And he's like, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> very and 3PO much. just, you're perfectly welcome, sir. <laughs> it's just- now, what do you guys think about, um, I know uh, Joey, Joey posted on Twitter the other day, them having uh, figures, uh, I guess Toys R Us had them, and on the bottom it said the digital release commemorative set. Have they yeah, said anything more about that? I think I saw some of those at uh, at Target tonight. Yeah, they're they're white boxes, and yeah. So I th- I don't know that they're supposed to be out yet. I've I'd seen pictures of them from maybe Toy Fair. Um, so I, yeah, I Arish, I know you. If you knew something, you couldn't speak to knowing whether or not those digital releases are coming. But I imagine I don't know anything about the toys. I imagine. Well, we're talking about digital releases of the movies. Oh, nothing. Okay, well, I thought it was the toys. Then Arish can then maybe Arish can answer this too, <laughs> or or he can put input in since he doesn't have anything to do with the toys. Um, Shoot, how much longer is Hasbro? I mean, they've got to be getting some angry letters from Disney at some point, missing the whole the whole holiday season with Rebels and having no figures out. It's this is going on for. I mean, I hardly collect that many figures. I'm very picky on what I get, but there is just nothing, and you're. I mean, it's got to have been going on for, what, two or three years now? Yeah. I, uh, I, I really have no information about the, uh, <laughs> the toy licensing side of this. So, well, what do you, I mean, Steve, what do you think? Do you think they... Well, I mean, I know there have been some shipment issues. There was, like, some kind of tangle up in the ports out mm-hmm. in California. Isn't that right, Eric? Yeah. You, got, you guys were affected by that, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's affected. Anybody who... Basically, over the last year, anybody who had product manufactured in China and brought into the United States encountered shipping problems because okay. of the uh, the ongoing labor dispute that was going on at uh, in, in California. And then the problem was was that the ports up and down the West Coast started started siding with the, the California port and, you know, just it, it really created problems. But that's been resolved and, you know, the, it shouldn't be an issue right. going forward. But um, well, hopefully they'll get those out there because I know that's that's a lot of money for them missing out on. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen some 
just on Twitter and stuff, people talking about like, you know, figures that I, I was at the store and they didn't have any Star Wars figures. And I think that that's in part due to the product not being able to get into the country. But that would just cover like the last couple months. Probably. Yeah, it's, I can't speak to right. it's, it's, years of ongoing well, stuff. Well, I remember back at Celebration 5 when when they first released this vintage line, when, the, when they were getting ready to release the, the vintage line. Um, and they were talking about, yeah, we're not going to have the distribution problems we had with the Clone Wars stuff and all. And sure enough, they did though. And, and it's just, it's an unfortunate situation. I don't know how to, you know, what, what I would step in and say to fix it. I, obviously they have issues and problems that, you know, that, that are beyond me, but I would say this, I know that Hasbro has been going and we're getting off on a whole different tangent now. We need to close up. Um, you're welcome, but we're, but, but if I, <laughs> I want to talk to someone who, who is good at app developing, and I, I've got an app I want to pitch to Hasbro that will revolutionize their three and three quarter inch line, and will get kids and collectors involved. I mean, that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to give it out for free on here. Uh, so, <laughs> but I, I think that Hasbro hasn't. They've always been looking for that gaming aspect to to go with the toys. They used to pack in, uh, you know, dice. And, and game rules and little maps, you know, that you could actually have in game pieces at one point, many game pieces on one line. Uh, they did the uh, the Comtech chips was way ahead of its time mm-hmm. to me back oh, with the, cool. the Phantom Menace thing. I'm looking at one right now. And, and I just feel like that they're not tapping into, and really it's the Tops thing that got me thinking, the Tops Trader app. I mean, they've tapped into an area where it's like, there are people like me who are, who are like getting obsessed about cards that are not real, that I'm not holding in my hand and flipping through, you know, but it's just a matter of collecting them all. Well, 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 all I'm saying is what if you had an app where every figure was packed with just a a Q code that you have an app that scans it. It puts it, if you're just a collector, it puts it on your checklist and for kids, their games to begin to play with these characters, you know, within that app. And so if someone wants to help me develop that copyright, Steve, (laughs) <laughs> March twenty fifth, two thousand fifteen. Um, you know, uh, I'm I'm all about it because I think that would revolutionize their figure selling. Uh, you know, I, I think there's got to be some commercials and stuff. But anyhow, that's we we didn't want to get up on that. But. Well, I mean, but I mean, if you look at Disney Infinity with what they're doing, there's been talk of them bringing Star Wars in. I would think that they would just the smartest thing would do with collectors and Hasbro and all this stuff is do a Disney Infinity game that's just Star Wars. And have it to where you buy your your Hasbro figures, and the little base with the figures is what you put on the the Disney Infinity. Uh, that was smart. I, I agree. Mean, losing money hand over fist because each one of those figures is what like fifteen bucks. Yeah, but isn't that about what a Star Wars figure costs these days? Depends on which one you get. I was yeah. just at a at a Walmart, and I saw them where they were only six bucks, but it was the three and three quarter real basic figure there wasn't the what they call the saga legends uh, maybe that's it yeah it's but what it, they, it seemed it seems like the package was trimmed down i mean it, it mm-hmm. had the stormtrooper mm-hmm. uh, helmet as the package but it just seemed each one really harkened back to the original three and three quarter they, figures where they, you had like four or five points of articulation and that right. was it well see that's the other thing is habro's has habro habro Hasbro's gotten really confusing with their lines. You've got your Black Series three and three quarter inch that are the highly articulated, you know, collectors sought after. But all the collectors are turning to these Saga Legends that are the five points of articulation: two legs, two arms, and a head that yep. swivels. 
and and they're really digging that again because it does take them back to the day and and they're cheaper and like i say how much you know once you get your app developed how much is it to just print off a cue card you know like one of those cue reader codes on the back of the of a package or inside a package so that you have to buy it and open it kind of thing and and boom you go from there you know it's you're not I don't know. It's it's really it, it's weird and it's a it's a frustrating thing and it makes me wonder if Hasbro even wants the license anymore. But I think all that and I'm hopeful that all that's going to be worked out by the time we get to eventually, episode seven. Eventually, we'll just go to 3D printing and we'll be done. We'll have it there day of. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, back to the original point on this. I think those digital release figures have come out sooner than they're supposed to, and I think we may be hearing at Celebration Seven something about some digital releases. So. Awesome. So when you're talking about cool. digital release, are you talking about like the movies available on Netflix? Uh, I'm thinking like iTunes to, okay. to buy, you know, and, and, and have on your mobile device. The Disney Anywhere app, that way you can just, yeah, that type of deal. Or they I may- do think I remember reading that when The Clone Wars was released on Netflix, you know, through Netflix right. streaming, that it was like the first step in all of the the Star Wars product. Well, and there have been there being have been, made available. Yes, and there have been rumors of uh, of a Ewoks. Star Wars app. Yeah, I wish Ewoks <laughs> and droids. So, but anyhow, there have been rumors. Holiday of a, special. Mm, mm, not well, so much. <laughs> I mean, my guess is if they're if they're truly the gonna, porn. if they're truly going to do that. Uh, you know, make the six movies available that, that it's going to happen sometime this summer mm-hmm. because they'll want it as a lead up to the force awakens. Well, and that's the thing is these figures that they're seeing on shelves there are like, they're called the digital series commemoration okay. wave or something. And, and the idea is that apparently that's just called spec called speculation run wild. And the fact that they're making it to shelves right now, to me kind of screams that possibly, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that as soon as you know, celebrations over, that that they're available. All of a sudden, the hit. Yeah. The only the only reason why I would think that that might not happen uh, is because you've got Daredevil premiering in April. Yeah. And, and you know, now that Disney owns Lucasfilm and Disney owns Marvel, like. I think we have to start looking at things a little bit bigger picture because, you know, you you have to pay attention to what the right hand is doing. Mm-hmm. You well, know, so if you've got Daredevil coming out and then Avengers 2 in the theaters, like that's a lot of attention on Marvel. And do you do you want to take away from that attention by releasing the Star Wars movies digitally at the same time? Well, I don't I mean, I don't see why not. That's my thing. Is like I don't think that you're. I don't think they're going to release them on Netflix. I think they're going to be available to purchase, like in iTunes, in the iTunes Store. Okay. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a streaming thing. I think it's going to be, you know, for nineteen ninety nine a movie or however much they sell them for on iTunes. You know, here, here it is. And so I don't think you're going to end up having any detractions from what's happening on Netflix with their property or what's happening on the big right. screen. Um, so it's you know, I don't, and I could be dead wrong. I'm, I've been wrong before. You know, I thought at Celebration 6, George Lucas was going to announce in the closing ceremonies, Episodes 7, 8, and 9. I was about yeah. six months early. Uh, so <laughs> but, uh, hey, is, is, is uh, Hasbro, are they going to be uh, liable now 
for when my kids play with the Inquisitor lightsaber and Kanan's lightsaber, and one of them tries to do that ch- trick from the last episode and instead flings a lightsaber into up. a television. <laughs> yeah, it gets caught up and it's a lightsaber in a television. No, Has- Hasbro's not liable for anything that goes on uh, there. Well, there'll just be a repackage here in a couple of years. Yeah. All of it will be <laughs> now with come apart action. <clears throat> now with come now with flag apart. And all the all the broken returned ones. Now well, don't with, they have the lightsaber coming out where you can like make your own like variants like U shaped and yes, stuff like that. It is fan fiction lightsaber madness. They had one of those years ago. Yes, where you could and you could swap out the crystals. Yeah, but this one. Sound. But this one has. Like all kinds of different handles and everything. They've got you can have a foam blade, you can do the plastic blade. It's crazy. It's a crazy. It's not, it's, it's not canon. It's not canon at all. You're See, right. Where you got to go is the custom saber shop, where they have all those parts that are made of metal, and then with LED uh, LEDs that are oh, so bright, they're I, like class two lasers. That's what I. That's what I want to give my kids. Yeah. <laughs> my kids are gonna have that. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll cut the flat screen in half with that. That's right. Talk, <laughs> talk about it. Going back all to the old plasma. All six years of their lives. Yeah, all six <laughs> years of the, yes. It would be like that that video, that viral video where the kid on Christmas Day opens up the, the lightsaber and he starts to dance around with it and cuts his grandma in half. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a great day. Guys, thanks so much. Survivor to say that's my favorite. Guys, thanks so much. I've enjoyed talking Star Wars with you guys. Uh, Steve Schoenborn, The Lost Hours Podcast. Where can people find that? Uh, LostHoursPodcast.com we're on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash LostHoursPodcast and uh, we're on Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash LostHoursCast it's Lost HRS Cast Lost make sure you abbreviate the hours guys uh, Daniel and Andy always a pleasure to talk to you sir I've had a good time and I uh, appreciate you coming on and, and giving me the chills with that whole thing about the Jedi not using the targeting computers or, do, or definitely using the targeting computers well thanks for having me on Yep. So I appreciate it. So I'm a. Uh, I guess I should. I have nothing to plug. I'm Ywing 4 on Twitter, and uh, or you can just search for Daniel and Indy Lutha on Twitter, and you'll find me. Daniel and Indy Lutha. <laughs> Shout out to Greg from Disney Vault Talk, and of course Erish Man. Love, love hanging with you, sir. Pass the corn. Good times. My brother from another mother. Yes, sir. I know you're getting geared up for uh, Celebration. Any information you can give us about Celebration at this point that uh, you guys can plug or anything? Uh, no, we'll have stuff coming out in a couple of weeks. Sounds probably. good. So keep watching keep watching Del Rey for what they've got coming out. Of course, at Darth Duff on Twitter. If you want to interact with us here at Geek Out Loud, the email is geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geekoutloud. And, of course, Twitter, at Geek Out Loud, at Goliverse. And uh, I'm at Steve Glosson. Would love to hear from you uh, on those shows, Be we, on, those, on those mediums. We have a good time. We have a good time. I'm Steve G125 on the old uh, Topps Trader app, so trade me, and we'll see what we can do together, see what we can make happen. Um, give Daniel all of your Motties. He loves Admiral Motti. Chopper Droid. That's my name on Chopper there. Chopper Droid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's let's do it up, guys. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone, who used the Amazon app. Don't forget to head over to geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com and use those apps. Check out geekoutonline.com. There's a whole new group of people that have entered onto the Goliverse Wall of Fame with superpowers and everything. Go read through them. It'll be a fun read for you. Look for uh, some exclusive commentaries coming to the Patreon uh, later this week. 
Uh, and that's that's the plugs. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud if you want to support us directly. Arish, Steve, Daniel, thank you guys so much. Had a blast. And for Daniel and Indy, Steve Schoenborn, and Arish Schoenweiss, I'm Steve Glosson, and we will see you next time on Geek Out Loud. <laughs>